Welcome back to another episode of Director Showdown. I am your host, Adam Dauphin, and with me again is your, you know, you, you, your favorite guy. You love to hear him. You love, you love to see him when you can because he's got a nice face. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. nice. Yeah. I don't know if they've seen me very often. I mean, at least, you know, not, you know, not the people that aren't our friends that are listening. <laughs> Uh, but thank you. That's a nice compliment. Well, whoever listens to this podcast is our friend. Hey. Oh, well, it. see, God damn there it. There you go. Listen, if you don't know what I look like, DM me. I'll send you a pic. Ooh. Not, hey. No, subscribe to our clean, Patreon. Clean. And PG. PG at worst. No, you'll Maybe get I'll the X-rated one if you subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> to the to the, Del- to the Delphin Pod Delphin Patreon. Pod Patreon. I will send you a the, PG-13 the rated <laughs> pic. I'm a married man. Listen. I'm not going to break any boundaries here. You can't show the goods, baby. Can't show the goods. I'll take my shirt off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll regret ever seeing it. But uh, speaking of, <laughs> he just said uh, good, as good as yes. entrance as ever. Uh, we got uh, Manuel Delphin back here with us. Wow. The, 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 the lead man, the captain of the Delphin pod ship, the commander in chief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Commander-in-Chief. Uh, yeah, tur- tur- uh, turning that White House into a greenhouse God, with all of hey, the smoking you know, of weed. Y'all set that up without me even fucking seeing it. <laughs> what? Bravo. I'm that was concerned good that Brent is, is uh, I don't know, promising shirtless photographs of the Patreon listeners. Yeah, a promising young man. <laughs> well, for the, the, yeah, the, the, you know, the Delphin Pod uh, OnlyFans uh, account that you guys have Pod, <laughs> where you can see your favorite <laughs> podcasters. And that's, I, listen, that's what everybody wants to see is their yeah. favorite podcasters without their shirts on. Mm-hmm. I know people probably assume that we have the faces and bodies for radio, oh, which yeah. uh, means we're uggos. And guess what? You'll have to see for yourself. Some of us. Yeah, you know, just go some on. Some of us, sure. Take yeah. pics. Roll the dice. I feel like at, at the height of our Marvel podcast, when it was doing well, like insanely well, we actually got solicited a lot on, uh, we get a lot of messages from random what? people wow. wanting to know what, uh, what, uh, you know, what our feet look like. Really? What our little, what our little butts look like <laughs> from like Yugoslavia or from and like then the there, States. there was a stretch. This was just That's last so year funny. where yeah. we are, uh, uh, we, we kept getting a lot of likes and subscribes mm-hmm. and comments from, from like porn accounts. It was wild. I was like, wow, six people commented on this, this, uh, this, you know, Marvel thing. And it would be, you know, Ashley XXX lips, 
says like cool video. Classic, and then right? that's classic Ashley. Lips. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's her normal behavior online. So I'm trying to, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I feel like we're not too far off from being real, real porno. Real porno. <laughs> yeah. I you mean, took like that into a much I, more realistic. I like to say um, sex work. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sex positive. It's a little bit more. Oh, uh, uh, you know, more inviting. politically correct. Yeah. More inclusive. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. We don't kink shame. Yes. Uh, but uh, some of the stuff, some of that stuff, uh, you know. You know. You know. <laughs> I would describe my kink as a cinephile. There we go. Oh, and we what go. I. Uh oh. <laughs> You know, my kink is like yeah. uh, pictorialism. Mm. Hey, love that, baby. You know, some people are always, yeah. you know, talking about 69. I'm always talking about 24 frames per second. <laughs> Ooh, funny sex number. Let's see, what else? <laughs> Let's see, what else? Some people talk uh, about getting hard. I get soft into <laughs> a roll of celluloid, yeah. which sometimes can be soft. Wait. You, you get soft into a royal a roll of celluloid. I don't want to continue <laughs> describing that one. That's like a real big Quinn Tarantino energy right there. Mm. Well, they're gonna have to go to the OnlyFans. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, we didn't. You even can't. You can't. F- you can't fuck digital film. <laughs> I, he probably talks about that a lot. You I can't was, fuck it. <laughs> you know, I if I had a dollar for every time I've heard a director. Yeah say in the last, I don't know, eight months saying that their favorite feeling is being in a dark room oh, yeah. with 400 people <laughs> and saying there's <laughs> nothing like that. I, I, uh, Hey, uh, hey, listen, they're not talking about a movie theater. Oh boy. <laughs> no, no, we're talking about. No. What's it? Tell me. I don't know. I was like, it's like I know. Orgy I, I know. It's, it's, know. It's, it's, hey, listen, I can't wait. I can't wait to go back into a dark room. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Here we go. With 400 people. I'm the, I'm that shithead now and I yeah. can't wait. Maybe the end of May to the new estimate. Yeah. No we'll mask see. on baby. No, Ooh. Ooh, no mask yeah. next week. Let's do it. Just a bunch of anonymous you, people. You no don't know. mask today. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. In well, Texas, the 10th, baby. But yeah, they, they announced that today. Wild. Didn't expect it, but yeah. uh, Hey, I don't know. Fucking just hey. wear a mask still. Yeah. Maybe. So you hear that COVID? <laughs> You've only got a couple more days to wrap up because you're canceled, baby. <laughs> On the tenth, COVID, and then you're we're gone. Canceling you're done. you. Yeah, you're done. You're finished. Yep. Then you're done. Good luck getting work in Hollywood. COVID. COVID is like bye bye, <laughs> bye bye. It just disappears. Yeah, it's just it makes a press. Re- it puts out a press release, signed COVID, and says, "Fuck, you called our bluff." Uh, no, no, COVID. You called it. COVID has to write a. A non-apology on the notes app on his iPhone and then screenshot it and then share that baby. Yeah. And it's really going to throw off the release oh of like God. his new movie. Yeah. That was filmed but in black and white. has Chloe it's Grace. Still gonna come out. And, yeah. It's, you know, it's still going to, he's still going to be fine, yeah. but like, yeah. but guess what? You can't cancel those residuals. <laughs> the usual suspects still making bank, baby. Still Superman still returns. You forgot. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to make, COVID's just going to make one kind of creepy, weird video every, every year. Every Christmas. Uh, where he replays, you know, <laughs> oh his character God. COVID around Thanksgiving and puts it on YouTube and everybody watches it for some reason. Cleo. Cleo. <laughs> I don't, what's his catchphrase? What's uh, Frank it's Underwood's? Oh, okay. It's the little uh, ring tap. I used Ugh. to, you know, used that to like that so show. so annoying around the it house. Used to be a good show. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. 
let's pivot into. We didn't even introduce him. God, for God's sake. Yeah. Man, oh, yeah. We Manuel Delphin. Manuel Delphin here, here in the house. And uh, what was the what was the uh, last podcast? Ooh, I did, you know what? I, I was here with uh, John, uh, another yes. person you'll see on OnlyFans. I'd say <laughs> maybe the top. Contributor to our fans <laughs> on the site. Yeah, there's something about his fingernails that really gets people going. It's kind of weird. All right, uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, I, he and I we were on John. the, uh, yeah. I believe the Edgar Wright pod. Is that right? Oh my gosh, that, we I might did, be we wrong. Did, well, we did like two. It was kind of funny in like the first and maybe last time and we Tyka, ever did it, where yeah. we did like two back to back with you guys. Wow, where we did uh, Thor and then we did where's the Edgar Wright World's, we did? World's End. World's, World's End. End. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think both of those are maybe both our longest episodes that we've ever done. Yeah. But uh, anytime that we get you or no, you're the longest episode we have is, is the hateful eight, which hear, is almost oh, three yeah, hours long. Do you hear that ladies? Boy. The longest they've ever had was me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we obviously, you know, have tons of stuff to talk about every time you, John, you and John are both on. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy to have you back, man. Um, well, lo- can I just say this? Yeah. No. Uh, my favorite feeling in the world is being in a darkened room with <laughs> hundreds of people. And we're all just captivated oh, by I that just, silver screen. I just want to say that. Yeah. And I may be the first. I don't know. I don't well. uh, You Listen, you worded that so elegantly. Uh, I've never heard it before, frankly. Uh, what, what about you, Adam? What's your favorite? What's your favorite feeling? What's your favorite feeling? Probably I, I don't coming. Think I, I don't think anything I can ever come up with would ever come close to what to the... The magnificence and the (laughs) artistry of Mm. that phrase. So I'm not going to even try. Oh, wow. Okay. We're never even going to find out. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to tempt. I don't want to, you know, it's like, how could I ever follow up that original and poetic phrasing that you did? I'll let anyone use that, actually. Anyone out there? If this is your favorite feeling, and I bet it is. Go ahead and share it. Let people know. Take it, use it, put it on a shirt. Put it on a shirt. Bop it. Bop it. <laughs> Pull it. Toss Pull it. it. Yank it. Hey. <laughs> Speaking next of- time you're in a room with 400 people, <laughs> pop it. Yank it. Yeah. So if you're a Gen Zer and you don't know what we're referencing here, yeah. because there's no app for this. <laughs> there's no app. <laughs> Uh, what if there was an app for it? We should do make an app for, for Gen shit. X references. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, for for Bob Bob it. fucking Bob Oh it. yeah! Oh my god! Okay, that's what you're gonna. That's yeah, actually yeah. a good idea. But what would it be? It would be tap it and then shake it and shake then you'd it. be done, right? Swipe it. Oh, swipe it. Oh, swipe it. Uh, <laughs> All of the intuitive selfie things. Selfie it. <laughs> selfie it. Yeah. I'm Duck. just saying. oh, and then cancel it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the last thing. Listen, back before there were phones. Oh god, there were things. Yeah, like phones that you just kind of you know you know how you move your phone around. You just do that to a little device, yeah. and it's a whole game. Look it up. It's 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 insane. If you can even find a picture, I don't know if it's there a, were pictures. Looks like of this a stick. Thing. He yes, just sat around learning how to masturbate from a toy. <laughs> secondhand toy that someone else gave to you it you would just it would tell bopping. you what to do yep like you didn't have to, you didn't have to be creative mm-hmm. how long do you think you could have gone speaking of going long time how long could you have bopped it for i probably could have done like 12 and then i would have been out i'm not 12 bops 12, well yeah bops like, and yanks. sequence and yanks yeah 12 oh, okay. yeah. full could have done 12 and i would have been out i don't I, know i probably only did like five honestly really i never really tried with that thing 
Yeah, I don't, I, you know, it's funny when we're, if we're talking about this serious now, if we're, if we're talking bop it serious, yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to bop it. Oh yeah. A bop it was similar to, to mousetrap where I was like, oh, my friends have mousetrap. I really want a bop it and I want mousetrap. Wow. Um, and I was like, I could fucking kill a bop it because I had a Simon. Y'all remember Simon or was it oh, called yeah. Simon, Simon Says? Yeah, Simon it would yeah. Yeah. Killed that. I was so good at it. And I was like, I feel like I'd be good at a bop it. Yeah, you would be. Probably. Um, I'd, you know, I think I'm a you look like a, You guy. look like a bop it guy. I'm a yeah. bop it guy. I'm going to put that in my Twitter uh, bio <laughs> that I'm a bop it guy. Yeah, you look like a um, real bop it guy. You hear that? And that's a new tier on OnlyFans. Uh, uh, the bop it. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> Brent bops it. <laughs> and it's going to be me <laughs> oh my God. shirtless with a bop it, yeah. an actual bop it. Yeah. And, uh, and you just um, have a blank stare. Yeah. Like you stare just, right at the camera. You're not even looking at the bop it. That's how good you are. It's, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look slightly past the camera. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to be bopping it for 30 to 60 minutes. We'll see, you know. And we'll up the audio. Like, we'll get the audio really close to your Ooh, mouth yeah. and just hear all your breathing. Yeah. And yeah. we'll speed it up by like 1.2%, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then or, if he gets enough coins, you get to whisper, fuck it. <laughs> coins? I don't know. How does OnlyFans work? <laughs> Do you give coins? To I don't people? know. I think it's like I was like, do you know, know something? I, I have money? no idea how it works. <laughs> Is it not like Mario? <laughs> you get coins. Yeah, or like those OnlyFan coins or something. I I would assume that that's the way it is. Right? Like that they've had right. to have gamified. I, I legit it now. don't know, but if it comes down that it actually is coins, everyone listening will be like, "Oh, he knows. He knows. He knows for sure that, what it is." That dirty fucking <laughs> asshole, yeah. Delphin on the podcast. I'm gonna cancel him. You know what? Is good. Is positive work. And just like immediately cancel Easton. Like you can't, He's not on the episode. You can only cancel the consumers of OnlyFans, but yeah. not the OnlyFans people themselves. That's how it works. Hey, they're making hard, hard work. What I enjoy is we are at the level right now where canceling us would be the equivalent to a drop in the ocean. No one cares. <laughs> it, yeah. What would you do? Nothing. Like you it would a rock us. at the wall. Yeah. You're spitting on the ground. But at some point, I'm sure... Uh, it would really affect us. So yeah, sure, absolutely. So sorry. I mean, Brett Ratner's doing all right. Rat Pack, boy, baby. God, boy, yeah, they're yeah. still buying movie rights, and it's Steve like Steve Mnuchin back in that producing saddle soon. I'm sure. <laughs> Lego Movie Three coming at you. <laughs> Lego Movie Three. I don't know. Hey, uh, hey, but yeah, we're not. You know, we're not talking Brett Ratner. Hey, we're talking about someone who's wink, not wink canceled. Next season. No, I'm just kidding. We'll never. Yeah, talk about we're talking about hack. maybe number two. So Brett Ratner, number one, obviously. And then where does Kurosawa fall? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're really close is what we'll say. Yeah, that's all. They're they're meeting in the middle somewhere. Uh, Like Benjamin Button, Like Akira Kurosawa was was retroactively inspired by um, Tower Heist. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I thought you were going to say Rush Hour 2. No, Tower Heist. Heist, The masterpiece that is Tower Heist. Yeah. Starring... Okay, I, Hayden Christensen, right? I, this and is not a ben joke. Stiller. What's a third Brett Ratner movie? <laughs> Tower Heist? Uh, uh, the Rush Hours. X-Men. Oh, yeah. Three, okay. the three? bad one. Uh, he, he did direct Hercules. Oh, yeah. I did see that movie. There's one good sequence. I've referenced it on the podcast before. The Rock throws a horse. Wow. He picks up a horse. Yeah. He throws it at a bunch of enemies. And I was like, all right, it was justified to watch this movie, <laughs> I think. That was insane. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It is cool. people. You know, you yeah. know who didn't throw a horse? Mm. 
Mifune there in go. the movie we're talking this week. How far are we into this stuff? Can you see? Long, no, I don't know the time. Oh, 45 okay. minutes at least. <laughs> um, and now we're getting to it. I think baby. we're a soft 15. Uh, no, we're talking The Hidden Fortress, Kurosawa's 1958, crowd-pleasing. Wow. Uh, Pre-blockbuster blockbuster, maybe? Could you could you say that, maybe? I don't know. Or the Japanese, the, the Japanese way of saying it is, I'm going to butcher it. Kakushi Toridi no san Akunin. Okay. Literally and the three villains of the Hidden Fortress. Wow. Oh. Which is interesting. The three villains. I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, yeah. I, I, I just want to say that the way you say this in sign language is... Hmm. Oh. 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 That's, oh, that's good. He's still going. Yeah. It's long. Wow. And it translates wow. to... <laughs> Wow. George, I think it tra- literally translates to George Lucas stole off this movie, the <laughs> yeah. movie. He called it. Lucas was seven years old. I, I don't even know if that's right, uh, but I said it and I was like, I, I was think so impressed. I, yeah. If you know George Lucas's birthday, that's a I'm gonna look it up now. problem for you, I think. Yeah, I know, um, right? But yeah. I was just doing the math. I mean, okay. We're- wait, wait, wait. Is he, was he not born on May the 4th? I thought that's what this whole thing was. <laughs> It's his Wait birthday. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, that would be funny if that was the case. He was no. He's born at forty four. He's he's a fucking old man. Um, <laughs> he was no. So he was uh, tw- fourteen. He was fourteen when this came out, which makes sense, um, and why it uh, influenced his future yeah, movies. Yeah, I think. yeah. Which unfortunately for Adam, we may mention the old SW on this episode. Yeah. Well, it is. This is a formative movie for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I mean, just because, of course, I was a formative guy for a lot of folks, especially as uh, he, he kind of came at the same time as all of these new waves from Italy and France when things weren't as insular in terms of how movies were shared. And uh, so a lot of people got that taste, that Kurosawa taste mm-hmm. in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, and now everyone loves it and talks about it. Yeah, now you you were saying yeah. how, yeah. Let's hear. Let's talk about that. That you were saying before the podcast that in Japan, Akira Kurosawa wasn't exactly the home favorite mm. that he is nowadays. Well, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of it isn't his fault. If you think about this time, uh, he was making movies during World War II, which was in yeah. Great he was now. the uh, he made some propaganda films for that. It wasn't a great time, of course, for mm. globalization in Japan, but. You know, he his influences, because he had access to see John Ford films, these big studio movies from, from I guess, literally Hollywood, because that's where they would all be made, mm-hmm. uh, influenced a lot of his work, uh, it, not just in terms of the way they look, but in terms of theme. And there was a very big uh, movement of, of folks in Japan who were kind of kind of against that idea. And, and it wasn't just Japan. A lot of people didn't think, thought his movies were just too much... Uh, not representative of of what Japan cinema is because Japan has such a rich hmm. culture. They they made one of the first feature. I think the first feature length movie of all time was a Japanese movie about I believe a geisha. Uh, silent, but yeah. they did it first, and they were very proud of that. And I I guess he wasn't always aligned with whatever that legacy was. But then you're like, well, you know, I mean, who is right? Who, yeah, like yeah. who. who yeah. And then also, kind of, who cares? Yeah, you know, gets to make like, it's like it's like saying if Quinn Tarantino was like 
the American. He's an he's an American filmmaker, but it's not yeah. like he's the only. Like he doesn't represent like American cinema, like, yeah. Totality, you know. He's just yeah. a strong component of it. I think anytime there's somebody who like floats to the top of the surface and is so representative of an entire, you know, group, you know, country or movement or whatever, that there's always going to be kind of pushback to that. Mm. And especially with, uh, I feel like we, I remember talking about this a little bit, but like just the fact that, yeah, he was so inspired by American directors and an American Mm. director who, who actually made, you know, anti-Japan propaganda during World War II. It's like, it, it does make sense that like on a larger scale that maybe the, you know, the Japanese kind of audience would be like, like, okay, he's like taking their stuff and you know, repackaging it for, for us over here in Japan. It kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he does stand by what he, what he said that he always made films that he just wanted to make. Yeah. And I was like, he didn't really care about, you know, telling someone else's story. And that's like why he thinks Westerners liked it. Cause he just like, he was authentically like himself, authentically Japanese. And it was just interesting that you brought that up Delphin, because I remember we were talking about another, um, earlier episode. He was, he did, you know, he did work for like, uh, the ministry of, I don't know, I think it was like communications or something during the war. I forgot the official name of it, but he always tried to like make a film and they would just like, it was a censors department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, they would just like fucking keep just smashing everything down and just denying him like, um, what he wanted to do. And I guess that's, it, it kind of aligns with like what you're saying. It's like, if all the censors didn't like what he was doing, then of course, like maybe Japan as, as a whole, wasn't like exactly vibing with what he was uh, putting out. And yeah. yet now most of us nowadays think of Akira Kurosawa as wholly Japanese and like very representative of Japanese cinema and kind of responsible for kind of the globalization of Japanese culture around the world. Mm. And maybe the my theory is also the creation of anime. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely yeah. possible. I mean, the it's like, what was the thing that we talked about? And I think the mm. Rashomon episode where he was, he was literally voted most important, oh, I forgot the wording, Japanese man or most important Asian of the 20th century. Holy moly, wait a minute. Yeah, no, just, yeah. just straight up uh, Asian. Adam, yeah, that's what it was. Adam yeah. and I aren't in the running for that hey, anymore. 21st, man. You guys, listen, you guys are going to be in the running for the 21st. I think my half white blood kind of... <laughs> kind of disqualifies me. oh yeah you can only be the second most important yeah <laughs> or half the most i guess yeah um but no yeah he was i forget if he was number one i think he might have been just number yeah, it was one number one asian guy yeah like number one asian you can say that yeah, um number, number one like- asian of the 20th century and it's wow. just like god you your impact has to be fucking monumental to have yeah you know to be you know to vote be voted in that that kind of way um but it makes sense. I mean, the especially his 50s run, like, we're still in the 50s, and I think Rashomon was 1950, Adam? I might be wrong on that, I guess. That was 1950. Yeah, 1951? And Brent, how like old that, was George yeah. Lucas then? George Lucas then was seven. <laughs> That's when he was seven, is in 51. Quick maths. Uh, and how old is he now? He is... Just 77. So you, Brent, He's 77. Do you call George Lucas every day and tell him how old he is? I do. I, how much time he has left? Listen, he has me on the payroll... I Dude, do know what his if, death. What if he know. dies Uh-oh. and then he has like a, 
like he has all these scripts and these movies that just like come out and they're all brilliant and they're all brilliant. He just, is, he's waiting to release. Yeah. Listen, guy, I I didn't want to bring this up here. You didn't. You want guys to know. kind of. You, you wanted guys, to. <laughs> in the you know maybe my subconscious. Do you guys want to know when George Lucas is going to die? No. Yes. He, he lives forever on the silver screen. Oh my god. <laughs> Am I right? What time is it? Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Just wanted to do that fun it's, little joke. It's funny. Um, it's very and, and maybe I'll yeah. delete this episode and you'll never hear it if no, uh, it's fine. And, you know, history has its <laughs> That'd be so terrible if he actually just died, yeah. like right now. And then yeah. Brent whispers in his ear, yeah. pain is temporary, film is forever. And then closes his eyes. Only the Sith we, work in absolute. We, we love you, George. And well, nobody what, ever finds my body. My favorite George Lucas adage, he says is, uh, he says this when he's making the prequels. He said, you never finish a movie, you just run out of time. And, uh, you know, you can whisper that into his ear. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess you would say not finish a movie. You'd say finish life. Life. Well, I feel, well, I <laughs> think he's kind of up there. <laughs> You just run out of time. You just true. run out of time. Yeah. Um, that is a good motto for life, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, and I feel like he would maybe rephrase that um, a couple years later and say, uh, you run out of time and then you come back um, and then you finish it and everybody loves it even more. The adjustments that you've made and everybody thinks that's the wow. ultimate version. of. And I know Adam, you joked about all these scripts that he's written, but before he did there, this is a real thing before he sent them all over to Bob Iger from Disney saying like, here are all my ideas. Here's my lines. Here are my, here are my scripts. Yeah. And Iger, smart enough to know not to be sued, said, before we read these, you have to give us the rights to these. Uh, and so George Lucas gave them over. So they do exist. We just may never Wait, see them. Wait, not even Star Wars movies? Just like his all, other scripts Yeah, and it's stuff? all his little like things he was working on before they bought Lucasfilm. He was like, well, take a wow. look at these. And they were like, we're not going to even open this email until... Mm. You give us Good these man. rights. And That's he said, so right, smart. Fine. That's so smart they just move, own yeah. his creative persona, I guess. Like mm. after <sighs> he passes away again, what time is it? Um, <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. It's, it's such a kind of morbid. It's yeah. very, it's uh, very and you kn- and yeah. you know the way the internet works. Someone has listening to this on whatever day <laughs> it actually happens. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I know. So yeah, right? We're not yeah. going to say the date. I'm not going to say that it's. No, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that's kind of wild because like then potentially you now have this, I could, this is a very cynical thought, but I could see Disney, you know, whenever that day comes, you know, when George is gone or wow. whatever, that they like put together this like archival thing of like, here are the, the yeah. masters works or whatever. And How all the fans George wants to be like. Do you think he'll be like embalmed or do you think he'd be frozen? Like I bet he would do, he would do something weird, right? Like he would freeze his body or something. Listen again, guys, I didn't want to bring this up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. He would, he seems like the type of guy who's like, let's, you know, let's freeze my brain yeah. and you know, yeah. bring me back with my AI into ILM yeah. computers or mm-hmm. something. He se- yeah. You know, he seems like a guy that would probably be down to like, yeah, freeze my brain, bring mm-hmm. me back. Uh, he, he'd be right up there next to Walt Disney himself. They're both of their frozen heads mm-hmm. next to each other. We, I, yeah. It's funny. We're talking about him dying, but uh, <laughs> that is how Bob Iger stole the, or not stole, but got the Lucasfilm dip deal. He was like, okay, we have, and Marvel, we have Pixar. I really want Lucasfilm. And mm-hmm. Steve Jobs was supposed to set up the meeting, but then he passed away. 
And he was like, well, I'm not going to go too heavy handed. Uh, George Lucas was helping open some ride at Disneyland, uh, Star Tours, I think. And so I went on that one. Bob Iger was like, I'll go down there to the opening and say, let's have, you know, lunch. They have lunch and they were just talking about whatever. And Bob Iger asked him like, hey, what do you think is going to happen to Lucasfilm? uh, You know, when you pass away. And George was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I would probably want it to be run by someone like you, someone creative. And then Bob Iger was like, okay, cool. And just left it alone. Wow. And then George Lucas called him like months after being like, remember when we talked about like what would happen to it? And I was mm-hmm. like, man, Bob Iger's like planting these little seeds of like, hey, yeah. Well, and he, he even, see, a lot of people, what's going to happen when you're, <laughs> when you die? <laughs> a lot of people don't know this either, but Bob what, what Iger on die? the phone, like, on the phone, first, first conversation after that lunch they had said, George, here's what I want to do. I want to make, a trilogy. First one, it's going to be fine. Uh-oh. You're going to hate it. The second one, it's going to be divisive. And the third one's going to be bad. What do you think? And he said, yeah, let's do it. Because, you know, I think the fans have come around on my prequels and they'll just look even better <laughs> once you guys fuck it up. So wow. th- that's that's what I mean, happened. My God. The first call. You know, that's what happened. Master plan. Because it's true. In, uh, in uh, the motion picture industry, that's called The Queen's Gambit. The opening move. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, well, Anya Taylor Joy was on the call too. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and how old was she? She I was, she she was roughly <laughs> probably about seventeen. Okay. Cool. I don't know. I yeah. Uh, I don't know Anya Taylor Joy's age, Delphin. You probably um, should. I probably do. I think. Um, <laughs> you should have it written down on your hand, yes. friend, <laughs> as a reminder. It's like, is it okay? <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. okay. It's, it's okay. Um, but <laughs> listen, clearly we're talking The Hidden Fortress. Yes. Yes. Uh, 1958 Akira Kurosawa film. Uh, probably the most kind of like commercial accessible of his that at least we've covered. Um, and I feel like it's going to be an interesting pivot because I think after this movie, we're going to jump, you know, and you'll see on that episode what we jump to, but... I think it's going to be a much less accessible Akura Kurosawa movie. Whoa. Uh, But uh, yeah, Adam might not even know what I'm talking about, I guess. I don't. Uh, But uh, Is it Rand? I mean, well, we don't really know yet, do we? uh, Who cares? I mean, we're we're just just rocking and rolling. Have you a favorite? Have you all? Have you a favorite? favorite. I mean, so far I do. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. for sure. Seven Samurai. Yeah. Seven Samurai. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, it's hard to be. That film. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty undeniable, man. Yeah. After after seeing it, I was like, oh, I understand why even more than a movie like Hidden Fortress, which obviously, you know, Lucas took some things from and some things pretty directly. But and Sergio Leone, I think, yeah. says he takes a lot from this movie. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Mm. Leone was big and more in the 60s, right? A little bit later than than this area. We all probably hung out. Bryce How- uh, Dallas Howard hung out with Akira Kurosawa, apparently. What? Um, well, her like, dad, Ron Howard. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a... How old? She, when was she born? Wait, Brent, how old was she? Yeah, how old was she? Jesus well, but she, she dropped it Brent, in that behind-the-scenes thing. She's like, oh, I remember when I was having lunch with my dad, George, and Akira Kurosawa. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> what? By the way, Bryce Dallas Howard is 40 years old. Look it up. Somebody fact-check that. I know that because her birthday was like today. And yeah, it's, start, she's yeah. 40. You fucking weirdo. Listen. <laughs> I'm a numbers man, I guess. Uh, hmm. But uh, hmm. I mean, yeah, that makes sense because, like, he was, yeah, when in the '80s he was like in his twilight days, and yeah, mm. you know, yeah. 
Okay. And you know what he whispered to Bryce Dallas Howard? What my did he whisper? F- my, my favorite feeling in the world. <laughs> sitting in a cold, sitting in a cold, empty hut. Hut. I'm just kidding. Sword next I to love me. cinema. No, I'm just <laughs> and, kidding. And you're going to be in a movie with dinosaurs. <laughs> and you're going to be running in heels. <laughs> and everybody's going to love that movie, oh, except no. Brent. Except George, my, Brent my buddy, Carroll. George Lucas's caretaker, Brent. <laughs> caretaker? Who knows when he's going to die. That's what he told Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, this wow. is whole stupid. I need to drop this. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hidden Fortress. Hidden um, Fortress is about a... Um, Two, 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 two dummies, two couple of doofuses, couple of doofuses. <laughs> They're real Rosencrantz and Gilden, wow. Gildenstein, Stern, 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 Stern whatever, yeah. Yeah. you know, from Shakespeare, you know, real, real, real goofballs that really shouldn't be the protagonist of the story. But yet that's, this is what Akira Kurosawa does. He decides to make these very, um, Un, very non-empathetic, non-sympathetic, sympathetic characters to be guiding the the way to this uh, more um, grand adventure movie with the kind of the traditional uh, tropes that you see, but through the lens of those characters, which is kind of interesting. I don't know how many how many uh, stories do that. I don't know if you guys have any uh, references that mm. might. Can I, I th- do that? Other than Star Wars? Oh, boo. You oh, guys, see, I thought you were setting us up for the joke. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was going to say, no, I can't, no, I I can't think s- of a single one that came after this movie. Yeah. Uh, I but, guess, I guess yeah. Forrest Gump. For- Idiot savant himself. <laughs> kind of, though. A little <laughs> bit. Because you're, yeah. well, the feather. If you count the feather oh, and the you know lady what? at yep. the bus stop, then that's kind of Sorry. true. I'm kind of looking at it like, you know, it, it's like these two characters that you would obviously think would be just side characters that kind of throw away people, but they're the ones who are even Mad Max is kind of a good example because he's kind of like that side character, but damn um, yeah, Fury Road. He's the vessel yeah. to uh, well, I mean he, any Mad Max movie, he's yeah. like the vessel to the story itself as opposed to being them. They, the ca- main I one. think, yeah, they totally become that. I think the the first Mad Max is very much like. I don't know. George Miller's trying some shit out. It's very much like his like Mad Max origin that he kind of drops after that Mm. movie. But then, yeah, they totally become like you set up kind of a world and then Mad Max like drives into it. Um, But that's definitely the case with like Fury Road, too, where you think it's going to be this Mad Max movie. And that that whole movie is kind of a Furiosa Mm. movie. Um, Mm. Yeah, to to bring Hey, Anya Taylor-Joy is going to be Furiosa, which is going to be wild. That's going to be cool. Um, and she will be 31 when that movie comes out. No, that's Jesus. <laughs> See, you can you, you tell Anya, you guys set the you joke. Tell Anya Taylor Joy's um, age by counting a number, the gap, inches gap between her eyes. They just get. Oh my god! <laughs> oh boy, she's gonna be a hammerhead shark when she's 85. <laughs> this is. I'm sorry. That's mean. It's mean, she, but she's gorgeous. Is it mean? Come she's on. Like, uh, yeah, she's. I think she's so beautiful. beautiful. But it's just um, a fun joke. This, this is the Taylor Joy fan cast now. Jesus um, Christ. I mean, I think she's that was, beautiful, I think but it's funny. so fun. It's like Uma, she's like the new Uma Thurman sort of thing, you know? Like, yeah, I guess she's, a bit. she's Numa Thurman. <laughs> Numa. Numa, Numa, Numa. You better yay. keep uh, yeah. Tarantino away from those feet. 
Uh, on you. Oh boy. <laughs> he, he's got to be. Yep. I, That's I, how you audition for socks, Tarantino. Baby. You you show up with no shoes on. Hey, uh, Anya, Anya, go ahead and uh, take your take your shoes off at the door. <laughs> take, take your shoes uh, off at the door. You won't be needing them. You won't be needing them. Uh, I mean, that's the yeah. most harmless thing I could ever think of. It's just like, let's I see. guess so. Yeah. I mean, I it's, mean, it's really. harmless in, in, you know, to bring back, uh, you know, Ratner pretty harmless in relation to that guy. Yeah. Uh, the standard, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I really love the opening to this movie and it's, it's hard, obviously the fact that I've seen Star Wars so many times to mm. separate, you know, the influence there. But, um, th- you know, watching it this time, I was really thinking like it, it kind of sucks that Star Wars made, you know, that 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 it took that and made it such a uh, a big thing for the movie, because I kind of love the idea of a like non-traditional opening. And it's a very non-traditional opening where, uh, you know, there are these two side characters and that's all you're with for like 15, 20 minutes. And it's the case in Star Wars, too, where you almost like forget until 20 minutes in, it's like, you don't even see a goddamn, you know, you don't see Luke until like 20 minutes in. And it's kind of the same way with this movie. Um, I almost wonder if star Wars ruined that kind of concept of like, let's open with, uh, you know, some characters that aren't going to matter. Star Wars ruined a lot of things, but, um, Oh boy. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Fandoms. Yeah. Um, reality space. But I think that that's kind of what is, what is fantastic. Mad Max, I think was a great example but you're 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 thrust into the world without actually seeing everything that led up to this feudal Japan thing. You know, you you hear about the princess before you you know. There's not a sequence where the princess is being snuck out or hiding somewhere. Yeah, you just you stumble yeah. upon it like these two characters this is, do. This yeah. is the way the world is, and that's you know this is how you're experiencing it. This is how Sergio Leone references the Civil War in his movies. It's never like he looks at the camera. Or there's no text that says Nine, it's the Civil War. It's like flashback. some guy yeah. who's like, you know, or you'll see some soldiers walking by and they're, you know, dragging some dead bodies or something. Like that's and that's, that's uh, yeah. those movies are always preem like they're preem uh, material for like the guy who sits next to you at a movie theater and is like. It, see that 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 means they're in civil war. Uh, well, you not understand about yeah. The yeah. other person you're talking about is David Lean, who is a filmmaker yeah. who sets normal people. Not normal. They're pretty heroic. But these, you yeah. know, the, the people in his movies are set in these really big historic events mm-hmm. that are never too uh, like in your face about you know this is the World War Two, like, yeah. you know, or whatever uh, Lord's Arabia. Like it's it's. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting that all these things are set in such big historic moments, obviously from the point of view of regular folks, if you can call them regular folks. But uh, I think that just juxtapositions really, really fantastic. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how Shane Black, he makes um, the predator. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like it's always like Christmas in the background, but that's not the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I think of it. Yeah. It gives yeah, a certain and, tone to it. Yeah, and you bringing up David Lean made me think of uh, Bridge on the River Kwai again, where that that's another movie that opens with characters that aren't real. That's not necessarily true. It opens with you know a, a, a POW guy who kind of becomes becomes one of the leads, but then you know you wait a little while until like Alec Guinness comes comes mm. marching into frame. But I think yeah, this movie. I don't know. Yeah, I guess Shakespeare is like the thing to go back to with this movie. Mm. When, you know, 
Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? Yeah, it's Guildenstern. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're our our Shakespeare guy now, Delphine. You know, the immortal bard and I have a history. Uh, How is he? Huh? How old is he now? How old is he now? I'm flipping the 472 years old. I guess what? Nailed it. He's also canceled, baby. (laughs) Oh, God. Life shut him down. Yeah, life shut him down. Ultimate Um, cancellation. The ultimate. (laughs) Death. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love, uh, their introduction in there. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think easily the funniest Kurosawa we've covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. What, yeah. What yeah. Say? I mean, I say that that's a good way. Of I saying think, it. I think so. I think, but then again, that kind of comes. I just with, never even thought about it. Yeah. You're right though. Yeah. yeah. Because I just, I was just surprised at how many moments I fucking like, like laughed out loud and that's not too, you know, that's not a knock on any of his other movies, but in this movie, I like laughed out loud a lot. He definitely played. Yeah. He definitely played those two up as like, uh, comedic foils throughout the whole film for sure. Yeah. Very slap, uh, slapsticky and physical comedy stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even the, even the music was kind of like, uh, a little wacky. A little wacky when they did, when they did in their little hijinks. When, it, when yeah. it's like, and they're running around in circles looking yeah. for It's like, gold. hey, when's Kate Hudson going to pop out <laughs> with this music here? Kate I, Hudson, that's the one that you just had to. I don't, I'm just thinking of like wacky there. 90s yeah. romantic comedies. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, they, it's fantastic that the, that the, the, the irony that irony. pervades all the way up to the end, because they have no idea all the way up <laughs> through the end until the end of the movie when they're like, oh, we know these people. Uh, the fact that they're just so totally obsessed with one thing, and that mm-hmm. is gold, or mm-hmm. I guess surviving to an extent as well. I think it, they they just repre- represent um, the 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 passions, like poor it's, people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just like the they have no what whatever's in front of them, they yeah. will just try to get. And they survive. They're just survivors, baby. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. real scummy. I actually kind of hated them. Yeah. I mean, they also <laughs> yeah. attempt to rape the princess. That's what, that's what I mean is like in those <laughs> sequences, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like these guys are just not good people at yeah. all. Yeah. It, it is very, uh, it, yeah, their whole arc too also reminded me of like a Coen Brothers movie where it's just like they're kind of stumbling through this crazy shit happening yeah. and especially the ending yeah. with the stuff with the gold and the horses and where that ends up. It's, it's a, uh, he's a, really Coen brothers are a great example of side characters that shouldn't be main characters in movies. Almost all their characters are just all their characters regular, are fucking interesting people. And, yeah. Who just made yeah, like one or man, two bad. He's just like a fumbling, like he's literally just, have you seen what? the ending? No. What? Serious man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great movie. Wild. Yeah. Um, so good. Uh, I mean, Bill, Bill Nygaard, uh, you got, Oh, who's the, the guy we always quote, uh, Marge, how oh, you doing? Yeah. Marge, uh, God, what's his what name? I it? can't believe I forgot his name of all people. I go down the to the, uh, oh, the lake no. there. Oh, geez. Jimmy. Uh, oh no. Fucking. To... Yeah. What's his name? Like, he's just a guy who just got way in over his head. Uh, is it William? William H. Macy. William well, H. that's, Macy. that's Bill Nygaard. I think you're talking about the deputy. Well, the main character, the main character in Far, well, one of the main characters is William H. Macy, and he yeah. is definitely one of those guys who's just like way in over yeah. his head. Not a great, yeah. bad guy. Like, yeah. no, no, fantastic in the movie, but I'm saying like his character yeah. isn't good at being. Yeah, he's so bad. incompetent. Yeah. yeah. 
it's the messiness of their movies that he kind of represents. I was thinking of yeah. Mike Yanagita. Um, Mike Yanagita. Mike Yanagita. God, <laughs> that whole <laughs> the fucking you, you and I used to fucking quote that all the time. Mike Yanagita. Uh, oh my! God. <laughs> I don't know we got on the codes, but uh, <laughs> but no, their their kind of arc represents a very kind of Cohen messiness that I mm. that I like. That ironic, like you said. Um, represents kind of their argument is an ironic wasn't irony invented by the bard himself wow oh, that's the true bard uh <laughs> you know how hilarious it was that juliet was just faking that she was dead and yes. so romeo killed him but it what was too late because romeo had already killed himself baby <laughs> hilarious the irony hey we've talked the, the great bard on this season mm, of the podcast yeah. a little bit of you're Throne of Blood. You're you're, you're both regular blood. Kenneth Branaghs. Oh boy. Oh, well, I don't know if you no. listen, but we had Ken on the we episode. We had Ken on the episode. Wow. So he he may call back at any moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> Who knows? well, that's I. You know. Wait, I'll, hold on, hold on. I'm getting a call. Oh, oh, oh wow. Uh, I did. Oh, know, the I caller ID says Disney Plus. Oh, oh boy. Oh, right. now, Delphi, on, I don't on. know if you know about this. He's going to probably try and plug. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Is this director showdown? Wow. You're Hello. in character as Sator here to plug. That's what Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Hello. I am a this Ken. I have yeah. Ken. Ken Branagh of movie films such as Tenet and Artemis Fall. Yeah, that's right. You did direct the yes. hit. Disney film, Artemis Fowl. Now, Ken, listen, it's great to have you back. Yes. I, I don't know how open and free your schedule is, how you know when we're recording, how you got our phone number. I appreciate you calling. It's I know unsettling. everything at every time because future people tell me when things happen. Wow. Ken? Have you seen Tenet? And have you seen my movie film, Artemis Fowl, on <laughs> Disney Plus? Ken, they're both equally good. That's what I will tell you from the bottom of my heart. Now, Kenneth, do you know when I'm going to die? Can you tell me that? Oh, wow. We're Duh. Both. <laughs> but what? I'm not going What'd to you die. Say? You don't know. <laughs> Does that mean no? Da means Russian. means yes in Russian. Oh, okay. That's right. That, I knew that, Ken. Da. You don't know da. <laughs> Who's this Delphin man? Who's oh, sorry. Dolphin? Leave me out of this, Who Kenneth Breno. Do you want oh. do you want um, some of my money for your films, Delphin? Well, so, yeah. I need money, but uh, not your money. <laughs> wow. What's wrong with my money? No Searing good for indictment you? Of, of your works, Ken. Is my, uh, <laughs> I, I am great Shakespeare actor oh boy. and director. Yeah. Well, Ken, uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for calling it. You know, while you're here, what do you sure. think? What do you think of the the you know the Kurosawa movie, The Hidden Fortress? You got any thoughts on it? Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I was going to say it's similar in uh, ways to your film Artemis Fowl. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? Yeah, duh. He stole from my movie Artemis wow. Fowl. I, I made a magical movie, movie boy first before Kurosawa. That's right. You, you were in the Freeport, and then you worked <laughs> your way back through time, uh, you know, did. I forgot how all the tenant shit works. I'll be honest with you, Ken. Neither do I. I do not understand that movie either. It's well, thank you. Thank you yes. for calling in. It's always good. Uh, Adam has just been silently kind of waiting. Yeah, yeah I, I just wanted, you know, I just wanted Ken to get at it. Just get, yeah. Just well, that Adam points. guy, he sounds like a good guy. You oh, know? he is. He, he sounds is like Ken. a good guy. And uh, 
You take care of him, fellas. You wow. take care of him. Oh, we will. No okay. promises. Okay. <laughs> I love you. Bye-bye. Whoa. And wow. I love you. Lane, from Kenneth Branagh. Wow. This, Drop the yeah. L word. From triple threat, Kenneth Branagh. I honestly triple don't know threat. why Ken keeps calling it. I, I don't either. Yeah. You know, yeah. listen, I said it not not to summon the poor man, <laughs> uh, but simply as a joke. And, and the fact that he called in, frankly, surprised and impressed me. We yeah. forgot to yeah. ask him who the killer was in Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, he was the only one who knew. Yeah. That's Damn right. It. The inspector himself. He's in that movie, right? I wonder how, I is, wonder what it. his mustache looks like now. Oh, see, we, sh- we he, should he have asked all these questions for Kenneth Branagh. We, have, we you have, seen, have, have you Thor seen all of the mustaches question? he's had? <laughs> like <laughs> so many. He has the the very innocent like blonde mustache in um, Hamlet, and yeah. then you have like the the blonde innocent mustache. What is that? What? <laughs> it's like it looks like a very like you so know run of the mill mustache. A young Hitler. <laughs> a, a run- Young art school. Yeah, and art then, school. Hitler. Then you have like the Doctor Loveless mustache. You know, and from Wild Wild West. Yeah. Yep. And then you have the, oh, the fucking crazy uh, Perot one. Yep. He has a yeah. fun little fact about Ken in that movie. He had two mustaches. If you literally look at a frame of him in, you know, as her, what's his name? Hercule Perot, something like that. Yeah. Ross he Perot, literally yeah. has two mustaches. <laughs> Frost Nixon. What did you say? Frost Nixon? No, Ross no. Perot is yeah, what Ross he said. Oh, Ross. Really funny. Really, 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 really funner. timely joke. Why, yes. why did I think Everyone Ross knows Nixon. Ross Perot. What? Yeah. But yeah, he literally has two mustaches. He had his directing great. mustache on and he forgot when he ran into the, the frame. It, to be into in the, the frame. Um, and uh, <laughs> I just want to say, stepping out of the bit for a second, we're probably going to have to cover Artemis Fowl on the podcast. Now we, I mean, yeah. I think we have to for Ken. We'll get him on. Yeah. Just for Ken. We'll it'll, it. it'll just be you, He's Ken, and I yeah. on the whole Ooh, episode. Oh, my God. Or maybe you and Ken only. I can just walk away. Wow. No, just you, me no, and no, Ken. no, no. You have to have equal time. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear some Or just me, just me and talk. Ken, actually. Cross yeah. talk, you and Ken. Only. You no, and Ken. I'll send that one out. <laughs> I want to hear some cross talking with Ken. Yeah. Cross talking uh, with It sounds like a like a show. A Fox News show. Yeah. But um, anyways, so. Uh, Fox News show. I don't know why, you know. Be, and what before, is. Before, okay. Before we <laughs> were uh, crashed, cr- crashed in or we crashed the party by Ken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're Super talking jealous. about um, the, the the two the two the two guys, you know, the two the yeah, two, uh, two main friends, characters, two yeah, buddies. the two friends who find out about this princess due to a uh, sign of Princess yeah. Yuki, and then uh, yeah, you get a bunch of gold guineas, a bunch of gold guineas. If you uh, ten right, just ten gold ten. guineas and three for any information about him, yeah. and so they just stumble away, being like they literally don't even go without per like they just they they escape being slaves to you know finding that finding the gold in that fort, mm-hmm. and because there's a whole rebellion that happens and they're just fucking going with it. They don't even have any plans at all. They happen to be around. They just happen to be there and they're like, we didn't want to dig. And then Lord, they Lord Yamana, hmm. Lord Yamana's fort, right? I like yeah. that. I like that uh, sequence because it's kind of like, mm. it's not some grand master plan. They didn't like hatch something, you know, it's, they just like, oh, this is just, this is just happening and maybe we should just leave. <laughs> When when this rebellion happened yeah. in the chaos, you know, I love that 
like using chaos as like a plot element as opposed to like all oh, these people are clever and they'll just like fucking escape. Yeah. yeah. Even how they're used with the plot, I appreciate to go back a little mm-hmm. bit, just like the fact that they are separated and each yeah. on their own kind of path stumble into, again, it probably t- sounds like we're fucking talking about Star Wars here, but uh, it's when R2 gets picked up by those Jawas. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you have, I think it's Tahe who discovers the sign. He does, you know, we get a little bit of, uh, you know, plot or whatever we get a little bit of story about how you know uh there's a reward for the princess and then you have the other one who's at you know yamana uh his yeah, fort. The, the fo- um the fog sequencing yeah fog. So, yeah because oh, he wanted yeah, to cross yeah. the enemy mm-hmm. territory mm-hmm. and uh he's he just stumbles upon again he just stumbles upon like these guys who say don't cross the border because there's a little, what's the name of the uh the enemy troops they're um the Imperial, uh, the Stormtroopers, the Imperial Army. And, uh, <laughs> the Stormtroopers. Well, I, it's, uh, it's, it's, Yaku, Yakuzani are the good guys, I guess. Um, Lord, Lord Yamana is the, what I yeah. put down. Yamana is like the enemy. Mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. yeah. The Yamana people. Well, that, yeah. that, the, the sequence where they find each other and then I think they're like in some kind of prison camp. Yeah. That's the, yeah, yeah. and then the rebellion it's, happens. Yeah. It's fantastic because this is, you know, some of the height of the Kurosawa uh, large scale, uh, you know, rebellion movement thing. It's uh, he, he I think he references Eisenstein, who's this Soviet director who made these silent movies, black and white movies. But a lot of these shots are exactly from uh, ba- Patinkin, Battleship Patinkin, which oh. is like a really old oh, really? Soviet yeah. movies. So uh, I, I only like bring 30s, it up because as much as we talk about Star Wars copying Kurosawa, Kurosawa directly copies mm-hmm. even older filmmakers mm-hmm. uh, before him. But the sequence is fantastic. You have some of the artistry that he's known for, which is, you know, mm-hmm. insane amounts of movement, uh, his quick cuts that you're not even sure if they're I mean this movie is is incredibly accessible because it's totally nearly there are, it's not like Rashomon was a a test of you trusting the narrators of that movie yeah, um yeah. and and going back and forth in time this movie all happens all you know steady it's kind of like a journey movie uh, yeah. following these two guys yeah. but even within that you get these sequences that are amazing i think in that that scene in the prison camp before the riot, there's even an edit where, uh, you know, somebody tips over some torch or something like that. Yeah. But he cuts it in a really interesting way that makes you think like, you're, you're not even sure if that happened. <laughs> it's kind of weird. You got to watch it, yeah. but yeah. it's like a quick cut of four or I think three or four torches falling and you're like, did that, or did they break four torches or is that the same torch repeated three times? Yeah. Or you're not sure, but that's just the tendencies. And then of course it's like matched. I think everyone loves the environments of Kurosawa. Um, but it, it's kind of something that you, you love from these directors who learned on silent films. Hmm. It, uh, the, 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 the language of film is, is, has to, has to work on that visual level first. Uh, and so you relied a lot on movement of camera and, or people in, in your things. It's, I think they still do it now, but USC film school, once you're in your first movie has to be a black and white silent film. Oh really? Because if you don't know, if you can't do that and you're relying on someone 
telling you the plot or the stakes. Get out. Get out. You know, if you're like just going from a wide to a medium to a close up because that's the, that's the sentence. That's the formula. Um, and, and I love it because in, in, this is the era of these people who started on silent films like Hitchcock, Ford, uh, all these people started there and now are, you know, that that's just their instinct is to, to give a really visually appealing and kind of like, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's funny that they ask Hitchcock, like, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm shooting it the only way you can (laughs) shoot this movie. You'd be like, whoa, how are you doing this? And he's like, I, like, how else would you, you know, show that someone has a bomb under the table? Like, I, I can't think of another way <laughs> yeah, to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just secondhand. And I think that's why everyone loves Kurosawa's movies is because this is uh, just his, uh, I don't know, tendency to do these kinds of things with framing, with movement. He does this thing at the time, which was rare, called uh, your, 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 you're cutting in a, in a wide, which uh, talking about Star Wars, J.J. Abrams does a lot. Um, but yeah. it basically is: you have two ways of shooting the scene. You you know where your you know you know where your shot starts, and then you know where the shot ends. And normally, you film the two, and then you cut them together. Mm. Or you can be Kurosawa and move the camera from that first shot uh, to the second shot without cutting. And he does that a lot. You'll see that in this movie. Mm, and you're like, man, right. it's so pretty. And you follow the character and it's, oh my gosh, it's pretty again. When you see the samurai for the first time, I forgot his character's name. Uh, it Rambofinis. starts with our Mugabe. buffoons, yeah. you know, looking for wood and then yeah. ends with you looking up a giant hill with a samurai, you know, standing watching them. And that's all one shot. And he's not yeah. doing it just to be, uh, you know, facetious. It's it's a clear choice that he makes that he does a lot in the movie. And he does that alongside like a million quick cuts and wipes that also have, you know, amazing purpose. Yeah. Uh, that's all to say that J.J. Abrams is the new Akira Kurosawa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, that's I mean, I'm sure he brings it up all the time, but that is how he also directs. Mm. His well, action. Yeah. Those, those shots of the the kind of uh, what do you, I don't even know what you call it, but I guess the. Um, the pan, the pan? Is that what you call it? He uses it? all um, kinds of things. I, this movie opens dolly with and, not it, even a dolly. Yeah. It's just a handheld follow behind yeah, hand, these yeah. two, which yeah. is kind of it, uh, I don't know. It really draws your eye. Like the scene where we're, uh, you know, Makabe Mifune's character is revealed is really uh, effective because it's like, yeah, he's on top of this hill. He's doing the fucking like Mifune power stance. Yeah. And you mm. immediately know that this guy is like authority. Yeah. Um, he's some like authority figure. Uh, it's really effective. And I, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about the, the, uh, torches, you know, falling over and stuff. I think that's another thing that, um, you know, whether intentional or not, I would assume it's intentional for, uh, Kurosawa, but there's a messiness to his movies that I think really adds mm. to the authenticity that, you know, to compare it to David Lean, the other director for this uh, season, who he doesn't necessarily, like, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of messiness. And it could be maybe a British thing. It could be just the fact that he's a very, like... Have you, you did, you, you, you both did Quat Bridge on the River. Yeah, we, yeah. we did that one, yeah. But it feels, a David Lean movie feels like every single shot is like, like he just has his fingerprints like Mm. all over. And he's like, I want it to look exactly like this. Um, 
And I think, you know, you could argue why that's better or worse, but I, I think Kurosawa, you know, his take on it is that there there's messiness and I think it makes it feel more. Yeah. I mean, he, he, his directorial style is like, he'll challenge his, uh, cinematographer. He'll just say like, cause the cinematographer, he, he'll ask him like, well, how, how do you want this? And he just, he just turns it around on them and says, well, how would you do it? And he's like, you know, he says this and then it's like, yeah, yeah, let's try it. And then, I mean, Corsaw being him, like he has this reputation. So like the, the cinematographer is like fucking freaking out and stuff. But then, you know, it always ends up working out because he has that sort of like, he has that sort of trust with his, um, with his crew, hmm. you know, like that's his dictator. That's how he, that's how he directs. He's not as like, he's not on the levels like Kubrick is, or maybe even, um, uh, JJ Abrams <laughs> or, uh, uh, why can't I think of his name? Kenneth Branagh. I'm just listing people Kenneth we talked Brown. about already. Fincher? Yeah. Fincher. Yeah. yeah controlling. Yeah. Very, uh, very precise and knowing exactly what they want. Kurosawa is a little bit more cavalier, but I think that's, I think that get, it, it, it shows a testament to just like having that trust in your crew, you know, and letting them, um, have at it. But it's this, like controlled yeah. chaos is always a good philosophy. He has a fantastic yeah. team that he's worked with forever, yeah. but they also systematically always shoot with like, I, I remember them saying like, he always shoots with two or three cameras all at once. All yeah. The time. So it's that was not, a, that's a big, that was yeah. a big defining, it's a big uh, new thing. Yeah, yeah. Big new thing. He's seven, almost seven samurai. We seven samurai. Yeah. Yeah. There are yeah. things that are similar because at this time, the, the hottest thing in the world was French, Hot. French new wave baby. And I think in terms of <laughs> cinema, again, my favorite feeling darkened room, um, you know, a million people watching something yeah, at yeah. once. Um, but I, there's this thing in cinema that I love and, and it's seismic and you can feel it. And, uh, I have a, I have like a theory of what's happening now. Um, it's getting better. With our roller coasters. I'm just kidding. No, it's, <laughs> oh, but the first is sound. Of course, sound fuck things up. And the second big thing is not fuck things up in a bad way. Like it was a, a new thing that people had to deal with, uh, yeah. musicals. Um, and the second thing that it really changed all of movie making was the fact that you could take the camera outside of the studio it, because everything was controlled. You had scientists, mm. Thomas Edison's there, um, you know, they're, yeah. they're filming things and it's all has to happen in a studio and French new wave. And then, you know, Fellini, Italian people, these folks said, you know what? Let's go shoot movies in the streets. Let's just take it out. Let's take it out in the streets. Yeah, and it didn't even, brave. it was, brave. it didn't work. The cameras were so loud. They had yeah. to redub the whole movies after because they mm. couldn't collect sound. Yeah. It's super messy. It doesn't work well, but Kurosawa, a whole other, yeah. it's a whole new thing that you have to do. Kurosawa was, was, was doing this at the exact same time. Mm. None of these are sound stages. And I think that yeah. was also part of why his movie just felt different was, you were looking at a landscape. He's shooting with long lens, so it's all very clear. Mm-hmm. And it's not a painting or a yeah. vignette that someone made behind you. And you're like, this is crazy. How is he doing this? How, how Or how did he put a dolly in? Or what, what kind of crane did he put in the middle of some field uh, in Japan? So I'm, I'm sure that is, you know, a lot of people equate other filmmakers for being that level, level of avant-garde. And, you know, he was doing it. You know, at the same time. And, uh, yeah. and I will say my theory of what I love the movies now, you know, uh, Terrence Malick kind of 
Because this the guy who made Florida Project. What's his name? Sean, oh, yeah. Sean Baker. Baker. Yeah. Baker, yeah. Uh, Chloe Zhao with Nomadland. We're yeah. like at the level now that we are not even. We're we're outside of studios, but iPhones. now we're just straight up yeah. filming with people who yeah. aren't actors with iPhones, and it's such. It's I don't know. It's like a fresh. It's kind of wild. It's isn't like it? a yeah. next yeah. evolution of of. of yeah. it, and it's not may not be as seismic as like people are using color or their sound now. But I think it's like the most exciting yeah. part, and it is messy like this. Like it's he's putting an Instagram know filter get. on your new f- feature film, you know. <laughs> I will, <laughs> baby. Yeah, but no, yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of it's almost blurring the line a little between like a documentary and uh, and a, a, a fictional yeah. movie. I yeah. don't know how else to say it, but uh, I what you were saying actually reminds me. We talked a little bit about uh, Throne of Blood, and that yeah, I mean he Kurosawa was. F- he built like a, an entire fort on Mount Fuji Mm. and they like were able to film in like the Mm. fogs and the, uh, you know, in this entire set that they built. And it adds an authenticity that like you, you don't see outside of, I guess you could say like Westerns were the other, was that maybe why Westerns were maybe as, as massive as they were in some regard, because like Hollywood was like, fucking, we can just break out of here. We can go yeah. film in the goddamn and then desert. And you're like, whoa, yeah. is yeah. that Monument Valley again? <laughs> in yeah, like exactly. Yeah. 400 of these movies? Yeah, yeah. right. Mm. But I don't know. That that was maybe some like instinct of, yeah. uh, you know, them wanting to break out of the fucking uh, It's that control. It's, it's the idea of control. And then, you know, obviously... You have a ton of control when you're painting every set and you you have like an A-list triple threat mm. who's, you know, you're probably, you own because you're a studio. And then the less control you have as a financier, the more dangerous it is. So if you're outside of the studio, super dangerous. There's so many movies that happened during this time. Gunga Din was one. David Lean, uh, Bridge Over the River Choir. Like he got like, the, the behind the scenes stuff. I think the studio was like... Yeah. We're cutting you off. Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence Lawrence of Arabia Arabia was like that. Yeah, like over a hundred horses died. It's insane. They're shooting with like cameras they weren't supposed to be uh, using. Just like that scene, the prison break scene. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like all those people, all (laughs) those extras just fucking trampling. I'm like, you can't do, the unions wouldn't agree to it. No way. That's what's exciting about like (laughs) these movies when you're watching them, it feels like it's, there's an actual... Right. newness happening yeah there's an actual idea and people thinking this is maybe the first time or we'll see if this will work um yeah. and most of the time it does but i can't even imagine that anymore that's what it, i mean we were talking yeah. about that on lawrence of arabia on how like this was the wild west like you could you could get away with a lot of crazy shit yeah you know mm. that you would never Ugh could you never could do today and yeah, yeah there's there's uh i don't know it's interesting now because i i feel maybe this is a little cynical too but like people our age and younger haven't seen a lot of these movies and i don't know if, if there's like one takeaway from the season i hope that it's like there is really cool shit in older movies that you guys should check out like i don't know seeing stuff in bridge on the river kwai or seven samurai kind of the epic scenes there or lawrence of arabia especially um, it's just so exciting to see just what they're able to do, um, that we're not really able to do anymore. I mean, we can with CG and stuff like that yeah. and you can make it look okay, but it's just kind of not the same yeah. as getting like a thousand extras riding horses into like a seaside yeah. village. It's just like, it's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot more handholding now. 
to everything uh-uh. because there's such a, an obsession with things making sense. Does that make sense? No. Like, yeah. And it's and like, that, yeah. oh, well, this didn't make sense. So it's bad. Yeah, or it's the, I'm not sure not why this happened. The audience sort of thing. Yeah. yeah so it is sure. a lot of like, and you know, to the credit of, of these studios, like that's the whole job now. I'm just saying, why can't out, we maybe? all have Tarkovsky films? Wow. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm saying, dude. You know what I'm bringing back? Hashtag. What? TikTok Tarkovsky. Oh yeah, TikTok. <laughs> let's get that going. Have you heard again. of our idea? The, no. This was a. This was. No, it but it started sounds, as a but joke. But it sounds annoying. <laughs> Tarkovsky. It started as a joke, but turned but into like a brilliant. sincere, I think, cool idea about mm. using the mechanism of TikTok to make like slow, artful pieces yeah. of like media of that art, take whatever. Time. That mm. take time, that slow down a little bit. I don't even know how long Triple a TikTok T's. can be. Is it a minute? T- yeah, I don't know how TikToks work. I'm, I think it's I just don't a minute. Use TikTok. You can fit. You can. Do you fit. know this yeah. stuff? Do you know? Like, I don't. I don't have TikTok because I don't want to be spied on. By the, oh yeah, by oh, that's the, a fair reason. That's fair. Um, but uh, listen, if you're a TikTok teen, go TikTok uh, go teen, buy stock. TikTok teen, TikTok man, TikTok man, John Wick three. Uh, go watch <laughs> oh, yeah. Stalker or Solaris. And, and just report like have back. some fun. Uh, yeah, just make a little art house movie. To imagine TikTok. a Gen Zer somehow getting through Stalker is like a hilarious like concept. But, hey, listen, I barely got through Solaris Awake, and I'm 30 years old. So uh, have you all been watching Stalker's these movies great. in one sitting? Kurosawa's are are yeah. Like, I, I have, don't think some of them are that long. I'm a fucking, David uh, Lean. This has was some, not that long. This this is Chivago is long, right? Chivago is almost three hours. Um, wow. I've basically been splitting all of them into two nights. Mm. But I mean, that's like I, I work late. I have a kid, whatever. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it, and it works well. Like a lot of the movies have interludes too, like uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Leans, yeah, Bridge, uh, Seven Samurai. Kind of you all have you have a nice kind of clean, you know, I'm going to spl- I'm going to make this a little a mini series. Um, is what a, a Gen Zer would say, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, but Hidden Fortress, yeah, is great. <laughs> yeah, and where where were we at? So Mufune, they, uh, his character. Well, let's yeah, talk about those doofuses again, well, baby. Yeah, they, they, they escape yeah. <laughs> and they go out. They steal some rice and they go camping. And then uh, they use they use firewood, and it's just this firewood just does not burn. It's and like clink what? clink clink. Yeah. Guess what? There's fucking gold in that firewood. What a what a that blew my mind. I was like that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't Weird. make any sense. <laughs> this movie sucks. <laughs> hey, CinemaSins, make make yourselves a fucking hidden fortress episode. It'll be forty five minutes. Ten long. things that don't make sense about hidden fortress. God, what a I've and you know what? God. This is why there's no Kurosawa died. This is why there's no sequel to Hidden Fortress because uh, <laughs> didn't make any sense, baby. Peter Parker <laughs> would not have hid the the gold in the wood. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. we're in a you comic know, book number two forty three. The whole fortress was hidden, so the gold must must have been hidden too. I mean, yeah, it was yeah, because it was it was kind of in a hidden like a a hidden uh, like a hidden like <laughs> it got hidden, uh, kind of like a, a hidden little like stream. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they kind of stumble upon that too, just like they stumble. It's upon just the a fortress. big old metaphor for the for the 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 homeless guys. 
Mm. You know, they look ugly on the outside, but inside they They're have gold. a gold. Heart, oh, you know, there's sticks of gold. There's sticks of gold. And you got to break them to see what's inside. <laughs> I mean, that's true. They got broken in pretty good. You know, for a long time in this yeah. movie, the first time I watched it, I thought, well, obviously they're lying about having gold and all these sticks, but later on they burned the gold in some fantastic festival. And there's actually gold in the fire festival. In the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the, at the, the OG fire festival. Fire festival. Yeah. They Made do become laugh. kind of a, uh, I don't even think a metaphor. They're just literally weighing down the, 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 the people who are so into it that are two doofuses who mm. like would carry as much gold as they can. And it obviously leads them to, to trouble. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's still needed because they, they end up needing it to, to, I guess, rebuild the kingdom or whatever. At the would end you say it's, yeah. you, would you say they keep falling upwards in this film? Failing upwards. Yep. Failing upwards. Yeah. Classic. Sleeping their way to the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Well, because like it's yeah. it's very fantastical in some yeah. ways. I mean, like they find gold in sticks, yeah, and so then they they then uh, Mufune shows up. It's kind of mutually yeah. beneficial yeah. because Mufune and the princess mm. need. Well, do they need doofuses? I guess they, they need do. they need mules. They need mules, yeah, but they yeah. don't necessarily need these two. But well, because they're they, so they dumb, need, it they works. Need the gold too, and the yeah. and the those guys are so attached to the gold. Yeah. They're like. Listen, we and this is something I don't think I really even caught the first time I watched it somehow, but their their whole strategy, which, you know, to give uh, Kurosawa credit, he literally draws it out and he does a similar thing in Seven Samurai where um, they literally draw in the dirt kind of the in this movie, they're drawing out the map of their route that they have to take. Like they have to go into the enemy territory to then cross back into Yakuzani, I think is what it is, um, territory. Yeah. And they're kind of like outsmarting the enemy because that original barrier between the two sides is like fortified. There's enemies all along it. And uh, a Death Star, if you will. A Death Star. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Uh, but but it's yeah. So model, it checks out. Yeah. But then, yeah, even uh, Makabe or Mifune, whatever you want to call him, he's like, that's kind of, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Let's just fucking take the gold, yeah. keep it, you know, as sticks and we'll go with the mules and uh yeah, and then they have themselves a little uh little adventure. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about Mufune for a bit. God. I mean, what did you guys think he who do you think he was when he showed up? You know, at the beginning. Cuz he he just he just like He's like just this guy. He's a he's a he's a, he's whole, a, he's a snack, a whole meal. Yeah, whole he's meal. Al- yeah. he's always a whole meal. Yeah, yeah I, I you know I didn't know the first time I was like yeah. this guy is yeah. gonna kill these buffoons and thank goodness, um, <laughs> but you know he didn't let on. I mean the whole princess thing was a lie. Mm-hmm. You know not just that she was mute, but the fact that like oh she's mine. I've been trying to get her or something. Yeah. yeah and true, as an true. audience, you're like, huh, maybe that's like a li- bandit. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like a, uh, he's a bad boy. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Just visually, I love the scene where he actually is following our two doofuses the first time because the camera, uh, acts, I, I, I don't know, like a, as a conduit the character itself, because, because we literally, as you know, we're following behind our two doofuses, Mm. And the camera is moving forward when they move forward. And then they stop. So the camera stops and they actually start walking back. And then the camera starts walking back mm. and you're only getting like you're, 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 you're sensing their actual hesitance. Mm. And then sometimes they're like, you know, they're sometimes a little ballsy. These two doofuses and they're like, you know, what, let's fucking kill this guy or whatever. 
but yeah, he yeah. is mysterious and uh and and it, i mean he is what the first point of view apart from our two doofuses that we follow yeah where he like takes us behind the curtain to like these secret meetings and stuff yeah i get i hate to compare to this again but it's like i i i Uh-oh. was have i was like Okay, so like, when does the influence on Star Wars stop? And it's pretty much when he is introduced because he's not he's not anybody in that movie. It's like literally just those two characters. What? what? And then <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah. Uh, Mufune, his character doesn't represent anybody that like comes yeah. later in Star Wars or anything. Lucas um, did say the first draft had old Ben Kenobi and old samurai and the new princess, and then they mm-hmm. changed it. They were all friends. Uh, took down the Empire. Uh, but no, yeah, I I was also like, hmm, who is this guy? And the way they kind of like slowly dole out kind of what's going on, who he is, uh, is, is pretty effective. Like there's the whole thing where he literally offers up his sister as the quote unquote princess yeah. and she's killed. Right. Yeah. yeah sacrificed. She dies. Yeah. Like he sacrifices in uh, lieu of the actual princess. Yeah. Mm. A real pot Padme Amidala. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, you're right. Wow. Actually, fake yes, princess. That's actually uh, it was Kira Knightley the whole time. the whole time. <laughs> Kira Knightley was in this film, but God, George really circled back, huh? Yeah. He, he was came like back around. Baby. He used a quarter of that movie. Let's just use the other seventy five percent in this uh, this prequel. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks will be uh, the equivalent of two silly doofuses in one character. Wow, Fred, I mean, uh, yeah. Fred, I was going to say yeah, friend yeah. of the pod. Friend, Jar Jar friend of the Delta Network. <laughs> that is uh, right. That's, uh, that's what, amazing. What <laughs> loose friend. I will say, though, as the journey continues, and there is a literal point of no return because they do end up getting to the point where it's like, well, we can't go further. We got to go back. But then the hidden fortress is, is burning. And so yeah, yeah. The, the, the crew has to carry on. But it always does seem like they, they are, they're just planning. It's very short-sighted. Like, they're not sure what the next thing is they just know they have yeah. to keep moving forward because sometimes they give up gold sometimes they give up horses sometimes they're a lot of improv yeah a lot of improv mm. it's a lot of yes anding for our samurais <laughs> well and it keeps you on your toes too because even re-watching it this time i was like yeah what happens next i don't quite remember but it's like they they're constantly like losing the gold when they throw it on the fire i was like searching oh, the it. temperature yeah, that yeah. gold burns because i was like is the gold done am i oh stupid gosh. for searching this wait um, what temperature is it it's like a thousand nine hundred so that's degrees pretty or something. Good. it's really fucking hot but um, i imagine it's still melted did you also yeah, google yeah, um just for me just you know for my reference what uh what temperature steel beams burn oh well <laughs> it's uh it's a lot hotter than it was on, uh, let's say, September 11th. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, but, yeah, it's very loose and kind of like, like going back to the kind of like natural feel of like the, the looseness, you know, that. Oh, my God. Say loose on the, one more time. <laughs> on the Kurosawa sets, you know, it's like we talked about in Seven Samurai. Or there's like multiple scenes of like extras just like stepping in mud like fucking muddy water. And it's like, that shouldn't be anything that anybody yeah. tried to set up or anything. It just feels messy. Uh, but the plot kind of feels that way, but yeah. it adds kind of the stakes to the the story. Yeah. Especially for the princess who has this, uh, she is a, well, let's just say it, a spoiled brat at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. is kind of That's like, fair, yeah. uh, 
and she's unhinged. A uh, prince and the pauper. T- I was kidding. No, oh, but yeah. but if but, if you tell her to go left, she goes right. If you yeah. tell her to go right, she goes yeah. left. You can't control her. She's yeah. like admonishing. She's her a loose cannon. Mm. But she does spend. I mean, we're we're uh, you know she goes to a brothel. She sees what a brothel is like. She goes to that festival, that religious festival and she's you know with the people now i don't know what this adds to i mean i guess it mellows her out a little bit to be like this is what i'm the fight yeah well, it I'm leads to for. it leads to the uh the character shift or the change True. of the um the enemy who realizes what a great leader she yeah. she can be because she almost dies they're like tied up mm-hmm. she's like fine a captain goes down with the ship uh well i guess that's kind of like she a, becomes humbled right. essentially yeah yeah, yeah. mm-hmm but yeah, yeah. I, oh, I feel like all of the scenarios where they have to give something up or can't get past the next step, um, all all are are great moments for her to kind of live in the world that the peasants. Yeah, in. just the constant danger and having to improvise your way out of yeah uh, situations, and it really showed yeah. a lot of. I mean, I want to give a lot of like kudos to just the the general like the general's um, character because like that guy is clever as hell. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's insane how like how he's got to be the one to do all the goddamn dirty work yeah. in the entire film. You Dude, know, Mifune is always yeah. stealing the fucking show. Yeah. Like, yeah. is there a movie of Kurosawa's we've covered this season that he hasn't stolen the fucking show? And what's so it's crazy. It's, it's like crazy. in this movie, he's so different than yeah. all his other ones too, where like, like in Rashomon, he's a complete scumbag, and then Seven Samurai is like a drunk, and then here yeah. he's like this very like super stoic, stoic, yes, like like iconic and just clever general war. Like you have that sort of the Bushido code is like yeah, it just emanates from him, like yeah. it just oozes from his uh, spirit. You it's know. a total precursor to the like Yojimbo. Sanjuro yeah. kind of character. Uh, yeah. And I love, uh, God, I'd love that early scene. This is an example of what I was talking about earlier. where like, I didn't know what to expect where, mm. uh, where they're at the gate and, uh, you know, they're wanted at this point. I think they know the princess is actually still alive. Yeah. And Makabe, uh, Mifune, whatever he's, you know, at the gate and he's like, no, let's go in, let's go in. And then, uh, just the way that all plays out where they're talking directly to the enemy hmm. with their gold sitting right next to them in the hmm. sticks. I was just like, God, this is this so guy, tense. Yeah, this, this guy, this guy fucks. You okay. Know I mean? yeah. <laughs> it's oh, so fucking ballsy before, though. It's crazy. I don't know why I got reminded. Well, we're talking about Mifune acting, but Mifune. Delphin, what is your favorite, uh, Akira Kurosawa laugh? Wow. Laugh. Oh shit. They got some court cause there's like some very, uh, there's some signature laughs that cause like in every one of his movies, yeah, they all laugh in like crazy ways. Like I don't, the, the hidden fortress has, <laughs> hidden fortress has some insane laughs. Yeah. There's some in big old this laughs. movie by itself, just mm. from everyone and everyone all the time. My favorite Kurosawa movie is actually high and low. Are you guys doing that movie or no? I don't think so, but no, why? why? It's a little bit later on. It's actually very similar to this, and because that's something you'll realize about Kurosawa. Maybe why people laugh all the time in his movies. Mm. It's it's he's a very his movies are not nihilistic. It's normally 
kind of, you know, the goodness of man, the, the kind of melodramatic, the melodramatic. Yeah. It's the, 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 the power of the human spirit persevering. That's kind of what happens in his movies. Mm. And it's always, the lesson is sometimes that, you know, your unrequited goodness saves you in the end, which happens here. You know, uh, obviously they escape only because our samurai let someone live who returns a favor for them. Yeah, that happens yeah. in high and low. Uh, well, yeah, you, I'm sure you'll watch it at some point, but there's some good laughs in there. He's it's, it's a, it's, it's my favorite Kurosawa because it's not that epic. A lot of it takes place in one room. It's, it's, it's more along the lines of modern day. It's a Japanese, it's still black and white. And of course his favorite actors in it, but it's a, Mm. it's a businessman who mortgages his whole house, all of his belongings. Mm -hmm. So he can take over a shoe company from these other people trying to push him out. The only thing that happens that kind of throws a big wrench in it is a kidnapper calls him and asks for a ransom to save his son. And so, of course, he's like, oh, I'll get, you know, who cares? I'm going to give this money. And then his son comes down the stairs and you realize that the kidnappers have actually taken his chauffeur's son. And the kidnapper's like, well, the deal still stands. You got to give us the $30 million or we'll kill this kid. And then Mifune is like, well, it's not my kid. And <laughs> like it becomes this really big moral yeah, thing of like, do thing. I shave the chauffeur's son? I've mortgaged my whole fam- my house. And like it, it's, a, it's a tough situation. It's a Kurosawa yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. The classic movement is there. There are scenes because it's in the same room where the police, you know, he's yelling about being upset. This is one of his noir films? I, I think so. Yeah. But, 70s, 80s, I assume? Um, this, I don't know. I, I would say it's, uh, you know, I'm a, a little older in it, but it is kind of this theme that you see, like the, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, the goodness is 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 there. Like that moral ambiguity isn't, uh, like, you know, there's moments of it, but you being a good person and doing the right thing will save you. And that's what happens well, that's in what's this so, movie. That's what's interesting that you brought that up because Rashomon... You know, it's kind of a very cynical yeah. movie. Mm. And yet, like at the end, I mean, spoilers, but it does have the glimmer of hope that the good person, you know, mm. does the right thing still. Because, with you know, with the baby and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I guess yeah. Kurosawa Cur- Cur- always wants to make sure you, you, you leave the theater feeling all right. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> with I, 500 I, other... <laughs> people in the dark. Oh yeah. In the dark room. Yeah, it's my favorite feeling. All, <laughs> all 600, all 600, all <laughs> 6 billion people. Yeah. That's, it's so funny. Cause yeah. like that's, you know, that's uh it's stuff like that, that uh, people kind of critiqued a little bit with this movie where, and I'd, I'd forgotten too, upon rewatching, I was like, Oh man, they're captured. There's like 15 minutes left of this movie, maybe 10. Hmm. They're captured. They're about to get beheaded. What happens here? And just the way that everything kind of resolves, with a happy ending for kind of everybody, even the two kind of, you know, the doofuses. Yeah. Even they, I mean, they don't get rich. I mean, their, their ending is kind of like, it's a joke just like they are in the, in the movie, but, uh, but they kind of, they survive and they, you know, laugh and walk off, walk off screen. But, uh, and assumably fuck. Yeah, hey, <laughs> I mean, that's what we, we can, can only hope. We yeah. hope, uh, <laughs> Last, last hope, Jedi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this one has a very like Hollywood ending, and it makes sense that uh, I don't know. I, I see, you know, the, the more we watch the the Kurosawa movies in particular, I see how they've influenced uh, 
you know, new Hollywood and kind mm. of the lessons they learned and were they always the right lessons to take away? I don't know, you know, uh, but, uh, and the fact that, you know, Adam and I talked about this was, I don't know, is earlier or something, but how you have, uh, JJ Abrams, who's like, again, to bring him back and I'm going to kind back. of throw him under bring the bus a little now, bit, but oh, at this no. point, at this point, you know, or who's another, I don't know, Michael Bay, maybe a little bit, but you have this, this person that's a kind of a, a copy of a copy at this point and the kind of diminishing returns of like, when you're looking at the person who copied the person, you know, uh, talk about like Joker is probably a good ooh. comparison. Oh yeah. Like that's a really Joker good one. being a derivative that's a good of comparison the eighties and you having to use pop culture as a means to convey like a story that's already been told. Yeah. And what do you get? You people take, and then people who already idolizing a character such as the Joker and taking the wrong lessons from, mm. you know, you know, like yeah. from that movie, as yeah. opposed to saying, you know, people just need help. But, it's, but no, it's like society sucks and shit and we should blow it up. Yeah. Sort of. You it's, know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Yeah. It's, a, it's like Todd Phillips looking at yeah. those Scorsese movies and being like, this is the text. Yeah. And it's like, well, you should probably interrogate that further. Like go back and look at, uh, and I'll have to bring it well, up. It, it's been, like, yeah. it's like looking at, like you look at a car and you look at the, uh, the paint job and say, that's the car, you know, it's not looking mm. at the engine or anything or oh, like yeah, the, yeah. you know, it's the just the kind of surface. But, um, yeah. You know, not to say that Todd Phillips isn't like, like he, I mean, he can direct. Um, it's just that, yeah. Like JJ Abrams, a good, you know, like in Steve Super Spielberg eight. with super eight, like you get all the, the, the bells and whistles right mm-hmm. maybe not exactly like the the, the substance that uh steven uh, had made in his films you know yeah yeah and uh, and he's somebody that had a little more messiness you know i think mm. of the scene in et when uh uh the one of the sons calls the other he calls henry is that the kid in et elliot elliot why did i forget the name uh, he calls him like dick breath, penis breath, penis breath. And then the mom says like, like Elliot. And then like, she laughs and it's like a really messy human moment where it's like, mm. yeah, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like just something like that. Wouldn't, uh, I don't know, maybe be in a, a modern day movie of somebody who's just kind of doing a pastiche of, of what he's doing or what Scorsese did or right. what Kurosawa did. Yeah. That's why I always think like, uh, the way Tarantino, I think I go back to Tarantino, like, I mean, it's good to be inspired by like past greatness, but always make it your own at the same time, you know, like, yeah, like Tarantino took, uh, you know, Lady Snowblood. Have you seen that movie, Delphin? Mm-mm. Uh, Lady Snowblood is like pretty much Kill Bill. And there's a lot of really cool, a lot, a lot of all the classic Tarantino shots that you see are probably because he got it from Lady Snowblood. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like making the home homage as opposed to like the, the paint job is, uh, I think the better approach there that he's, yeah, he's a really good example to bring up when we talk about this, because Mm -hmm. anytime you hear him talk about movies or like he's, he'll show up on a podcast, all of the movies that he references 90 to 95% of those movies I haven't even fucking heard of. And so (laughs) he's like, he's such a cinephile who has like, like a just fucking 
encyclopedic knowledge of movies yeah. that he can, he can do that. He can like pull references from all these sorts of things and they're so specific and they're not like, they're not uh, a Spielberg movie where everybody sees that and knows that, or they're not taxi driver. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pulled from all like all over the place. Like he's kind of the ultimate modern example of like how to do it right. Like I think, I think you nailed it. Yeah. I, I think he's, He's like the, like the, the, the biggest, the most successful filmmaker who is born out of films. Cause I mean, anyone before him are just kind of like, not necessarily like raised on film per se. You know what I mean? Like that's why he's a postmodern artist is that his film is, his film is of film, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to film just being about like objective reality or something. Yeah, and I think that was an important thing that we talked yeah. about uh, a little bit with like the Gen X movement in the 90s mm-hmm. where like he rose out of that kind of like, uh, I don't know, if you look at like the literally the eras of of Hollywood and filmmaking, you have the 50s and you have Ford and you have Kurosawa, then you have the mm-hmm. 70s of New Hollywood and Spielberg and stuff. And then you have the 90s where it's like the next generation, the people that evolved out of the completely influenced by just film culture yeah yeah just the the globalized kind of like i can watch movies from anywhere Mm. i can be influenced by all sorts of things so uh and where do you go from here right it's like you you use the films that you've seen talk baby (laughs) that's a new the quibbies who the fuck knows man yeah yeah who knows but anyways we were kind of jumping around at the fortress okay we got it's happening on screen right now we got to talk about it the the horse chase into the spear duel um, pretty fucking sick. It's pretty amazing. And you know, it's all yeah. real, baby. You know, they're on that horse smacking each other. Do with you think swords. it was actually, was it Mifune on that horse or just I bet it stuff, was. Man. I saw his face on a yeah, couple of the yeah. shots. So it seemed like it was mostly him at least. What it's a crazy. wild man. These movies man. are, uh, you know, John Ford, who we talked about earlier, who influenced Kurosawa, like John Wayne was a stunt man who crawl in there. And, and, you know, you watch stagecoach. There's a guy, crawling under that real life carriage and under all those horses going a million miles an hour. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's what like I'm going to say. Like, how do you knows? film? Are they just like on a dolly on a track and they're just like going as fucking <laughs> telling a guy to go under yeah. there. <laughs> this, this scene though, that we're talking about in hidden mm. fortress is pretty uh, gratuitous. Like it's a long, very like measured take. Uh, like, uh, I don't even know. Like, I feel like it's like uh taking turns. It's a drawn out, yeah, it's a drawn out duel because I remember when I was watching it and I couldn't, I was like, this is going on for a while and it's almost like real, like in an odd, it's a real time duel. I almost felt like Mufune, like I knew Mufune would win. Yeah. It's just like at some points I was like, I don't, maybe he'll get tired. Yeah. Maybe, (laughs) maybe something, uh, maybe I misremembered what happened here in that. I mean, it was a very like, I always love like. Because good fight sequences always have a balance between the aggressor and the defender. You know, you you have to have the even um, even blows. Mm-hmm. You know, the back and forth, or else it's going to be a totally boring. It has Unless its, you're John Wick, you know that's fine. It has its own arc or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's less of a gimmick and more of like there are moments. I mean, it happens a lot in the third act. This one happens pretty early on, but. Oh, my favorite part is not even the fight scene. It's before when he's uh, 
trying to pick a spear from the soldiers. It's so good. It's so beautiful because it's like he oh, knows yeah. what he's fucking doing and tosses one back. <laughs> and the soldiers are just like, I don't want to fuck with this guy. Yeah. Like every yeah. time he does, I love, like, I don't know how he directed it, but I mean to be able to have everyone in sync when like Mifune was a director in this scene, actually, I would For say. Sure. Cause he yeah. was like, you know, as soon as he did something like the whole, they all react, they all reacted. Dodge. It was really cool. Yeah. Cause it really shows the, the respect that, um, his character has and his renown, like his renown around, uh, Japan as like this fearsome warrior yeah. that no one wants to yeah. fuck with. Cause but, even like he was like, he was talking to his soldier, like, you don't want to fight him. You, you'll fucking, you'll lose, you know? That yeah. La- yeah. It's so good. Like mm. I, I love, uh, I love how fucking long it is and how much yeah. it just like slows down. Cause I was like, Oh, that's right. This thing is like drawn out and uh, it just adds so much to the tension of it. And mm-hmm. just how long it goes on, and you have the push and pull between the other guy, um, and the, even the choreography like feels very like it when seemed I like he knew what he they knew what they were. I mean, I don't know spear like play, but yeah. spear play. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I looked at you, Delvin. I was like, he's gonna see. He, he knows. I'm a master of spear play, baby. It's oh. also the first time you see him. Um, Duel fight, and you you hear yeah. Del, uh, yeah. and you hear like, oh my gosh, he's he's obviously a fantastic warrior because he's in charge now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he proves it, and I may that may be why it's so long and gratuitous is it's it's showing that he has stamina uh, in his battle against, and but and also like how how what a way to embarrass someone you know in front of their men and then just walk away. Yeah, it's ultimately like, a yeah. good thing that he does that pays dividends at the end. For sure, yeah, and I—that's what I didn't expect for it to come back around. But like you guys were talking earlier, where like a good, any good fight scene is a microcosm of uh, mm. of a story. It's like mm. you have to tell a story if you're you don't have you don't have to, I guess. Like, uh, but I would even argue, like Adam, Adam had said, John Wick, like even John Wick, yeah. I think the fight scenes definitely oh, tell a story. They're like, fantastic at it. It's so good, just the push and pull, yeah. the tension of it. It's quicker. I think it's a quicker story in John Wick. But you mm. think of. Uh, I don't know, like the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, any of those kind of set pieces, those fights. Yeah. Uh, and even the joke of when he shoots the guy, the joke is, that's the story. You just yeah. shot him and that's it. Um, but yeah, I think in this one, it's definitely establishing Makabe as like, yeah, as this kind of feared warrior who, uh, I don't know, as soon as he's like looking for a spear and he's just like completely kind of cucking these guys. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's fucking got this in the yeah. bag. Like that's kind of it. They're so they're so afraid of him. Yeah. Um he's legendary. Like he's yeah. he's a he's a legend. And then I'm, of course by the end of this he's even more legendary. But I feel like it also is kind of why there's such despair when he's captured at the end because you see them surviving yeah. this whole movie. Mm-hmm. And then eventually when they don't and you expect uh of, of all people maybe he would be the most stoic, but it's the princess who ends up being kind of the one who is uh, leading is leading at the moment. And of course that's one of the reasons why the other generals like, damn, like I would actually, I fuck with her. Like, you know, she's cool. That's right. She's cool with me. Um, Yeah. That whole, his whole kind of arc throughout the movie is really interesting and is, is unexpected where he, he's, beaten embarrassingly so mm-hmm. in front of all of his men uh 
Makabe's like, I'm not going to kill you, man. I'm fucking out of here. Like, I got to go meet them on a hill. They're hiding with all this gold and the princess. Yeah. Um, and the way that that comes back around is really satisfying to see where the guy, like, has this terrible scar on his face. He's like, he's like, why didn't you kill me? He looks know? sick, his, actually. His I think that scar looks fucking yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, like, they <laughs> fucked him up, but he's like, you probably should have killed me because, like, shit's fucking rough now. And then they're like, I mean, you like this princess, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, just come with us and i and you know it's a it's yeah. a very happy ending for him too you know? and like i think that's so interesting because like it's so counterintuitive to just the japanese culture like doing what he did yeah like it felt no unexpected. one yeah because like being loyal and mm-hmm. sticking like having that honor is just like so paramount to the japanese people and to have him just like you know what? Fuck all that. I'm following the leader that, yeah. you know, makes the most sense, that is the most just, which is Princess Yuki, you know, which is yeah. kind of cool. I mean, to ha- to see that in Japanese cinema is like crazy. Well, yeah, there's yeah. a kind of uh, interesting logic to it, though, because he like it's it's almost like if you think about it, like an RPG or something, he like his his uh, fucking honor decreases in this one group of people. But it's like raised over here because uh, because of what he does, he like helps Princess Yuki escape, and he becomes this honorable man for the other side now. Um, which, yeah, that feels pretty kind of revolutionary yeah. for a Japanese uh, kind of samurai movie. Well, he's always yeah. Chris. Always, always. I mean, you know, people. If you just look at the trappings, you're like, oh, samurai movies, samurai heroes. That's his thing. He loves samurais, but he actually actively says that you know, there's a reason why samurais went away in Japan. Like why it's such a, it's mm. a legendary, but they're not around anymore. They're not modernized in any real way. And he thinks that he actually thinks that samurais are, are, were weak. And that's why like they were too stoic, too, you know, mm. rigid and, uh, you know, followed those rules so much that they never were able to adapt to, to modern society. He uses a lot of times in his movies. I don't think it happens here, but, but, uh, I, it's kind of awful, but there's a movie that makes it literal, The Last Samurai. But, you know, the 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 guns that are used, the firearms in Kurosawa movies tend to be a symbol of modernization. Right. Yeah. The, the past dying. Mm. Uh, samurais, you know, don't use guns, so they couldn't survive um, uh, in, in a lot of his movies. And I think that the the samurai in this movie, you know, get survives a long time. But him not acting like a samurai is what saves it, him. It's so funny that you bring yeah. that up because uh, I don't know. I don't know how much you play video games, Delphin. But there was the recent game that came out last year. Of, it was called Ghost of Tsushima. Wow, I've heard of it. Have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah. they based their whole game on all of Kurosawa's um, filmography. Oh, cool! And the you know, spoiler alert, I guess like the the struggle that the main character goes through, like he's a samurai. And they're being invaded by the Mongols. And he has to... His, his like, uncle that he loves so much wants to stick to the old Bushido, like, mm. samurai code and wants to do it that way because it's honorable. But uh, he realizes that, you know, through war with these more modernized, like, army that he has to take different tactics and he has to struggle with that identity... So it's kind of interesting that it's kind of, yeah, I mean, like that follows the same themes that Kurosawa seems to do. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a. I mean, it's, it's it's a beautiful game too. You should check it out. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear there's like a black and white mode or something. Yeah, yeah. Kurosawa mode. mode. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it 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 tends to show you just how nuanced the, you know, you could you in the guise of a movie about a samurai hero, you can not only comment but change a perception about who the hero actually is or what yeah. makes him a hero. And it's not the stuff that you're, you know, you're, you're used to. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think people love his movies is you get that from most of his movies, you know, yeah. whether it's a cop or is a that, I mean, is, is that kind of like uh, what John Ford does though? Is he like, uh, J- yeah, John Ford, you know, and, and of course there are a lot of problems with John Ford, but he's made a billion movies and a lot of so times it's, it's, yeah. it's about the, obviously the cowboy, but it's also just like the role of a cowboy. Sometimes, mythical, it, yeah. yeah. Like sometimes it's not, and it's and it's incredibly sentimental, and sometimes depressing, especially like in The Searchers or something like that, or in yeah. in Stagecoach. Like, but it's yeah, like it's it's kind of he demystifies the cowboy, and then he makes a bunch of war movies. So demystifies yeah. kind of soldiers and the military in a really similar way as Kurosawa does, even though people yeah. think just, Oh, cowboy movies or soldier movies or, but especially movies. post-war, he had a, a different take on mm-hmm. a lot of those things. Listen, we've backed, we've backed this right up to this movie that I have to mention it again. And I'm so sorry Star Wars, to bring Star back Wars. the Star Wars influence. Uh, demystifies it's, Darth it's the, Vader, baby. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> saying that like you have more surface level JJ Abrams stuff. And then you have somebody like Ryan Johnson, who I think goes back to the source material mm. of questioning the, the samurai. What is Jedi? Pur- yeah. Questioning the purpose and intentions. Uh, but it's just interesting to see that that's, that's not what people want now. No, yeah. You can't do that anymore, especially when it's a, it's a, uh, a series. It's a part of a franchise and stuff like that. You can't, no, 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 sir. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just find that fascinating that it's like, you could do that at a certain point. And maybe if, if he was doing stuff like that, Kurosawa, in the middle of some kind of a, a seven samurai sequel or something, then it would get some hate or something. Yeah. But uh, eight samurai, eight, eight samurai. Hey, there's another one. There's another two one. samurai, two furious. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now you're selling me on whatever that is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, uh, you know, I had to mention it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess the end of the movie that it's a nice, happy ending. They escape their buddy saves them. Uh, and then our two doofuses our ding dong boys. Yeah. There's a real man. There's such a depressing kind of well, for them I, back I, and forth. Can I like, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to talk about the fire festival. Oh, we got to talk fire festival. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Cause the fire festival is a really great like sequence. Cause in that moment, you know, they're, they're down on their luck and I mean, they don't have, they don't have horses anymore and they're just pulling that, Cottage, but but somehow like it's still working out, you know. They don't, they haven't been caught completely yet, and the general, you know, escaped and won the duel. And they think of the brilliant idea: let's just fit in with the, uh, let's fit in with the. Um, we can hide with this giant crowd. Yeah, because yeah. they're all carrying sticks. Yep, and it's it's real. Uh, it's you know, it's like uh, Star Wars where they <sighs> get the. The TIE fighter. There's also a, like, I feel like, and I don't know <laughs> I'm so what it sorry is. sorry we're forcing you into <laughs> no, this comparison. I, yeah, but yeah. there's also kind of yeah. this this theme with this, because what do they chant? They chant something that's really profound to the movie. And before, before. Mm, the song, yeah. Yeah, the is, song. I don't even know what it is. I forgot. The the life of man burn it in the fire. Yeah. Like um, yeah, yeah. 
it's similar to what the spirit said in Throne of Blood. Have you seen Throne of Blood? Yeah, but it's been a really long, long time. Yeah, he, yeah the, you're right. He, he has a similar... I thought it was almost the same, but it's not. But um, it's kind of... He talks about the life of man in Throne of Blood. Mm. And in this one, he says the life of man burning in the fire. In Throne of Blood, he talks about the life of man being so, like, short and yeah. meaningless. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. And there, the same kind of thing where, you know, the life of man is just, like, you know, get lost in it. Like don't yeah. don't really worry too much about um, the individuals. Like that's why I love it. it's such a beautiful thing yeah. because like they all <laughs> the they all just like get lost in in the set in the celebration. And I think that's uh, the losing yourself is such a beautiful like yeah. moment. Like I don't even know how it goes with the themes of the film itself, but I think like that synchronicity and like. Bur- the fire just burning in the background and everyone in sync. The gold's in it. And, and the yeah. princess is just like completely She's loving it, baby. Yeah. She yeah. sings this song at the end, doesn't she? She's yeah, like, she brings it back, yeah. It's she, like the last thing she wants to, to remember. I, she realizes yeah. that there's something more bigger than herself. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, you know, how she, what she wants to do and yeah. like, the, the, my way I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do whatever I want no she's like realizes these are real people that have like yeah you know lives and like I think that was just the nail on the 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 final nail on the coffin for her for like her, her wanting to lead people now yeah because being involved in this uh this kind of spiritual I'll, I'll say spiritually yeah, a spiritual ceremony and she couldn't she couldn't never uh she couldn't get over it and, and that's what really change things for her. just being like, that's when she actually felt connected to the people. So I classic, uh, classic, uh, Kurosawa, fire and rain. Something, mm. something he loves, just, he loves something just changed, uh, mm. yeah. through, through the, through the cleansing heat of fire mm. or the wet, wet moistness of rain. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that scene a lot because it, uh, it, it shows his kind of control of how each, each of the characters, I guess the four, you could say, main characters in the movie like are given moments to like, like how they're reacting to, to what's going on where, yeah, she is like losing herself and she's super into it. She's like, just dance. And she's like loving it. Fire mm. festival and fire festival. F Y R E. Uh, and then you have Mifune who I love his kind of like fucking put the sticks in the fire. We're normal yeah, people throw the fire. Who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah. Hey, blend in like, let's blend in. Cause all he's, he's focused on her and like getting her yeah. safely. Not there. getting caught. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like we'll worry about the gold later. Uh, it's yeah, not going to burn. He, knows, he looked it up. He knows his mission. That's what's yeah. so great about it. Like yeah. he has a mission, and he know, and he's willing to do what it takes. He knows he, and that's like the very like military mindset. It's like the mission always comes first more than anything else, and that's yeah. And she's the one. She's like do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Like even sacrificing his sister, you know. Yeah, he, for sure. Yeah, that's like yeah. the early yeah. indicator. Like, uh, and I love that. He's yeah. He's constantly redirecting mm. the two doofuses who I love. Their how they play the oh dancing scene they where they're the, just fucking crying. The gold and it's so funny. And we got to mm. talk the sequence that's like playing out right now, or I guess we missed it. But it's like the funniest thing easily of any Kurosawa movie we've watched so far. Of the scene when they're taking their gold. And there's two guards just standing there oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. watching them. And they're just like, 
we're going to walk on out of here. And it's just, it's so, I could believe that's like what they thought was a good idea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, I'm like, you could do something better than that. It's so, it's so silly. It's like just one shot. It's like not cut or anything. Yeah. And they're just like, Good to see you. We're uh, we're gonna head on out. Uh, and, it's uh, what is that reminding me of? Yeah, is it, we're uh, going to uh, Indiana just, jo- uh, is it Star Wars thing? Is it Indiana Jones? Oh my god! What is that happening? Star where Wars. they're like, we're gonna. He- it feels like a Star Wars yeah, thing, right? That would totally happen. Um, that sounds like a Han Solo. It's kind of real Looney Tune shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it feels. So. Yeah, it feels like very almost like wacky Charlie mm-hmm. Chaplin shit or something. Where it's all silent, like it's all visual, what we're yeah. watching. Well, that's why Hidden Fortress, I think, is, is you know, you said it was accessible, but it really is, fin- it's it's really entertaining because it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's epic, there's tense moments, but it's also a little funny. There's a little something for daddy in there to laugh at. <laughs> for, and, and this is yeah, something yeah. that I think the, the real masters get, um, like Hitchcock's movies are funny, <laughs> like they're, they're scary, but there is always... An insane amount of humor, even if it's the old lady from the birds smoking and cussing like a sailor or something yeah, like yeah. And it, it, you know, and even now you can't, I mean, there, there's really funny moments in Parasite and Jordan Peele does it in his movies. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's something about not being a joke, but just having moments of, of, of levity Tension and release. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you, and, or, you know, if it's not going to be that way, it's, it's, you know, it's got to be intentional. Like if you're going to be playing the brown note for your entire movie or something <laughs> yeah. like that, like make that, that be yeah, what the purpose is like, but know that, you know, you're not, but you're making a movie. Well, like listen, that. Antichrist I know. is a classic laugh, whole, right? Yeah. yeah, that was hilarious. Just start to be you know, actually not even, not even joking. Like the house that Jack built was actually really funny. That is a, a funny movie, a darkly, yeah. a funny. very disturbingly <laughs> hilarious. Y'all movie. did his, his no, no, he hasn't no, done a, no. a, a, I just feel like that season wouldn't be bad. We would have a third of the viewers <laughs> or arrested. listeners. That we do. Well, yeah. well we actually talked about Lars to, uh, to do and we said we had to do an overly optimistic like director instead like mm. as the opposite just oh, a, just a little bit happier out. like Darren Aronofsky or someone just I a little know, right? yeah. a oh, tad boy. bit more yeah I don't know no, you, you would have, have to, to have like a Pixar like director or something wow. Pete Doctor Pete Doctor yeah. John Lasseter oh well, lots of hugging know. bear himself uh, John <laughs> oh boy Lasseter. Yeah, um, I even think about him being that guy. <laughs> Well, now that's all you're yeah, thinking yeah, about. A, uh, but <laughs> yeah, who's the who's like the most optimistic? Like you just Jesus can't Christ. not feel good after seeing their movies. You know, Paul Paul Feig. Paul. You did him. Yeah, yeah. He was our no. hell season. Okay, we could do his better movies. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of someone who makes me happy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. the sad Sophia, sad sorry. Who's just oh, like I mean director, yeah. not people. Uh Sally. I would maybe say like a, a Spielberg type. I don't know. His movies are people give him shit because all like a lot of his movies have happy endings or have too many yeah. endings that sum up that it's a happy yeah. ending. Like Well, I there is there is an idea to it. And I I, I were I've I once you know, I've pitched movies before and some producers really do believe movies should be happy. Like they, mm. that you should feel better after watching a movie, which I get, like, especially if, no, you're, if you, you want be sad, <laughs> like if you want people to pay for things, it's unless, the more they, commercial, unless they know they're yeah. signing up for like, I want to be fucking 
I want to cry tonight. Like, you know, I'm like not, I'm not going to go buy some toilet good... paper if it's going to leave a rash on my ass. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. a lot of times, sure. Like you do. Wipe and the shit away. What? It was Disney. <laughs> Disney's Disney's whole thing is, you know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, pay, buy, that, right. buy that ticket. And they only do it's Infinity War right. once you bought 20 tickets. I like know. you have to buy into yeah. the sadness. And you know, there's an end game. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that helps too. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, it's a, it is a, it is an idea. I don't know if it's right. And I'm sure like, you know. Do you, 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 there's a budget limit. Probably. I mean, like what, what, I mean, it goes back to just the philosophy of like storytelling. Like, yeah. What is, what is it to tell? Like, what's the point of telling anyone anything? Yeah. Like what, I mean, if you're going to sell a ticket, you know, do you, is that like the, do you want to make people feel good? Yeah. Or do you want to, uh, you know, make people think about something? I mean, I, I mean, there, I'm not saying one is better than the other. Yeah. Because, like, different strokes for different blokes, right? Like, I'm not really one for, like, happy-feeling, like, movies, but that's just me. Yeah. You know, I just... That's kind I'm, of our brand yeah, here on Director Showdown, I think. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, we want to, I mean, like... I like to me, feel good and happy. <laughs> Damn. Oh, yeah, he <laughs> well, up. I shouldn't have said that. Brent, yeah, Brent fucking weirdo. He's yeah. shirtless and winked at me when he yeah. said that. It's yeah. kind of crazy. He's got, a bu- <laughs> he's got a bop it on him, and I don't know what he's going to do. I, he I said, have I a want bop it in each hand that I'm kind of shaking up, <laughs> up and down each of he them. He said, I want to feel good, and then bopped <laughs> it. It's wild. <laughs> wild visual. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if we bring it back to Kurosawa, a lot of times his movies are. Bring it back they, now, y'all. Well, they tend to be. Uh, we already talked about how hopefully are, but they, they, there isn't really one that ends in a just total depression. Rashomon is so close though. Yeah. That's I a mean, really Throne close. Of Blood is, is tragic, but it's, it's our old kinda... bard yet again. Like the it's old, very the, tragic. The bard. Yeah. Yeah. But the, I would, I would chalk that up to the fact that he likes. Yeah. That ending's fucking brutal. It's really brutal and depressing. Like I, he yeah. takes so many fucking arrows and into his body yeah, and dies. Yeah. Like it's crazy. David Lean's movies are pretty not. Yeah. They're are, pretty depressing. Are long. <laughs> you know, yeah. They're long, but they're, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're pretty depressing actually too. Like the, yeah. the fact that Lawrence of Arabia is this big epic that opens with the main character's death. Yeah. Brian pointed that out. And when he said it like that, I was like, boy, I guess you're right. That's kind of wild. And I think most of his movies are kind of on the depressing. I mean, Brief Encounter is not a good ending. Like that's a good one. Yeah, Brief Encounter is a very depressing ending. Although Bridge on the River Kwai, everyone dies. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's odd though. Like it's 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 heroic and it's a good ending, but it doesn't mean you're going to be alive. (laughs) You know, like it's it's the right ending. Yeah, you appreciate everyone. They did what they needed to do, Mm. but they're dead now. But they're dead. So Mm. who can say? But nobody's dead. At the end of uh, the Hidden Fortress, yeah, actually, yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, almost nobody other than uh, off-screen deaths. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Even the guy that I thought, like, oh, well, he's clearly going to—I forgot his name—the guy with the scar. Like, he's going to sacrifice himself. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was going to to help them get away. But they're like, "Hey, man, fucking catch a horse, let's go." Yeah. Why can't you come through too? Yeah, come, come on. And he hops on a horse and he fucking dips out too. And it's like, yeah, that's like a very. I understand you think why people. He would have a heroic death. He'd be like, he would die. Yeah, he's going to get killed for sure. And I thought for a second maybe the doofuses would have like kind of a a tragically funny kind yeah. of like demise where they get captured with the gold and like, I, I, I guess it, it, it kind of tracks what you were saying, Delphin. I mean, he spared Mifune, even though Mifune like 
beat him. Like, mm. I mean, he could have just said, like, hey, guys, I don't care yeah. if I lost. Fucking kill this guy. No, he, yeah. he like, let Mifune, because he, he knew that was the right thing to do. So, I mean, it, it, it tracks with him, like, he did the right thing, so he doesn't deserve to just die yeah. for it, because he does the right thing again, mm. you know, by... Uh, to just do the right thing. thing. Spike it's easy. Lee. What are you do the right thing? What are you doing? Not doing the right thing? Why? Yeah. What are you doing? There's up no there, moral ambiguity. <laughs> it's either right or wrong. That's it. And that's the thing is you should always do the right thing because you expect something good to happen to you. Don't exactly. do it. Yeah. For the karma. That's what Jesus said. Get it'll, something it'll get out of it. Paid back. Yeah. Sevenfold. Yeah. Do it because you don't want to go to sevenfold. hell. Sevenfold. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, how did they come up with that name? Uh, but yeah, I mean that's. I mean, do you guys have anything else on, on Hidden Fortress? I think we could I got like 20 other things. Let's see. What okay, else? list them. Uh, uh, make a listicle. We'll uh, go through. Minute one. Point. That's what they call them. I don't know. Is that, that's funny. I mean, this is just peak uh, mastery of his craft. He, know, he knows what his style is visually. He's obviously one of the most influential editors of all time. Same with David Lean, I think, too. Like, those mm-hmm. two guys. They, they were both uh, editors, editors, right? Like And I, producers. Yeah, first before directors. Which yeah. is such an effective way to know how to, uh, like, uh, plan a movie in a weird way. Like, until you're putting one together, you won't know what yeah. you'll need later. So That's true. Yeah. Everyone should know how to edit. And then, of course, Kurosawa knows how to write, even though I feel like there's a lot of writers on his movies. Mm-hmm. But it's it's... It's just peak uh, control over that craft. And I think that's why people love Hidden Fortress and a lot of his movies. And not to say that his earlier movies weren't all perfect because, you know, I love when you see filmmakers find their way and like figure it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, They're they're not all hits unless you're, I guess, Quentin Tarantino and you've never experienced failure. So you can... You know, I mean, you can comment he, on. I mean, you can Jackie it. Brown, maybe. He maybe could chalk that up. I was listening on a pod of scripts that he sold. They off. asked Tarantino, mm-hmm. like, "Oh, what are some advice for young filmmakers?" And I was like, "I'm not gonna listen to this guy. He hasn't, he hasn't fucked up. You know, like what? What? It's all. And it's I think his advice was like, "Hey, just make sure your first features are like unique or something. It was something like that." And I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. like so hard to kind of." Yeah, you're like, that, okay, huh? great. To but me, it's just yeah. like just make just make your just make just make movies. Yeah, that's my advice, and Stupid I'm not shit. even successful. So wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, what about you? I'm Hidden Fortress. Um, yeah, I'll do the I'll do the uh, chef. Oh, chef here we go. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, are you going to do the chef character from South Park? Or what is this chef thing? <laughs> that is, I'm just gonna like let exactly. you think. No, no, no. no this is our this way. is our food metaphor corner. Food metaphor. Wow. Of, you because Delphi, have we talked to you about this? Hmm. We realized. I think hmm. Adam did uh, first, but like we realized that food metaphors are kind of perfect for describing. Yeah, describing, describing the types of movies. Yeah, yeah. So to me, this uh, is like an you you're you're back to Kurosawa uh, sushi. Bistro, I don't know Japanese barbecue, whatever, okay. whatever you Japanese no barbecue. Japanese Japanese barbecue because that's Western influence because of John Ford. Oh, hey, hey. See, this, is, this is why. See what we're talking about here. See, this is good. And I'm, okay, and and you know he's cooking up the, the, the what do you call the what do you call the um you know the you, you watch the show where they do all the fire stuff. What do you call that? It's like teppanyaki. Is that what it is? Uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. It's te- yeah. You're oh, watching. Okay. Yeah. The Benihana. Benihana. Teppanyaki. So you're there and 
it's two guys this time. Oh boy. Oh, here we go. And you're like, you know, I love teppanyaki, but why are these two doofuses, you know, fucking making my food? I don't care. I don't like these guys. I don't like these, these chefs, mm-hmm. you know, and they look like they're fucking up the food. <laughs> yeah. But it's instead, messy. it's yeah. messy. But when they hand you like the first appetizer, you're like, oh, this is pretty good. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll follow, I'll follow these doofuses some more. Why not? Yeah, let's go on this food journey. Let's go on this food journey. And he yeah. serves you up a big, like I don't know, uh, a big piece of beefcake because Mufune shows up. And wow, like, this guy's delicious. It's a steak. Steak sirloin, a whole damn meal. A Kobe beef. There you go. Yes. That's how I describe. It's Wagyu, 100% Wagyu certified. One hundred. Yeah. Wow. And you're like, this is delicious. I love this familiar taste. So we're eating Mifune right we're now. We're eating Mifune. Yeah. <laughs> Chop them up. And then, uh, Army yeah. Hammer style. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Mentioned had, it a lot this season. Sometimes. No, that was the second time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it was once. <laughs> you had to mention Army Hammer once. It's pretty delicious, that news. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Hello, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, go ahead. Take it on. Oh boy. Yeah. I didn't even have anything to say. Uh, and then after, listen, you're stuffed. It was a complete meal. Mm-hmm. Then you just, you, it's the rest of the meal is just, you know, you're getting some noodles, you're getting some veggies. It's just a delightful kind of classic. You, you kind of, you kind of recognize the beats of the meal mm. and then you get a nice tasty dessert. That you weren't even totally expecting, yeah. But uh, just a nice little happy ending to kind of cap off the your teppanyaki meal and show. And then thirty years later, you're I don't know at a at a Disney park, yeah. <laughs> and you get a meal and you're like, this kind of tastes like the meal I got thirty years ago. But <laughs> there's just something about this that it's a little it's, processed. It's a little zero um, G to me. Yeah, there's definitely some. Uh, I feel like I might, I might. I feel like I'm going to throw this up on the uh, Star Tours ride later. Oh boy! Uh, They're using yeah, lightsabers to, for it. knives. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would eat at a Star Wars. Hey, but that first meal, grill for sure. That first meal was really good. Yeah, exactly. And you think back fondly and how it's influenced the many theme parks that you've been to uh, upon the decades since. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, are the, is the food metaphor your final thoughts on? Uh, no, um, I, I <laughs> I'll just say it really. <laughs> I quickly, forgot if yeah. like that usually is or. Not. I like. I mean, I, I I like to say it as kind of a final thought. But, yeah. Um, no, I love this movie. I, I don't think it's my favorite Kurosawa movie, but uh, I I like the ensemble cast. I think they all play off each other re- really well. You know, they're all they're all kind of unique, except the two doof the two doofuses are kind of the same. I'll say that. I don't really see yeah. too much of a start. You could probably change them around and they're kind of the same, but <laughs> one's um, big and one short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I like the, I like princess Yuki a lot. I think, um, she's, uh, sh- she's an interesting character in a way that, you know, she's terribly rebellious and just goes against like just typical Japanese royalty and just so like, you just don't expect this of like this, like of, of a, of a princess. Like she's just 
loud and rebellious and but that's, that's what's kind of cool to see and how like uh, Mifune had to be, has to be the one to kind of tactically uh I don't, I don't want to say manipulate, but kind of real, you know, reel her in and try to make it work, make, make her still, uh, be herself, but also survive. Like I love like his sort of reverse psychology bit. Um, mm-hmm. and she finds out, but she's like, I'll go with it anyway. And it, it's kind of a cute little, like, I like their relationship. It's kind of cute yeah. in the way, uh, in the way that uh, it seems like kind of like a father-daughter sort of thing. Mm, daddy darter. Yeah. <laughs> daddy daughter. And uh, we, uh, and I mean, absolutely, Mifune is just my favorite part. I mean, I just can't, I can't get, I don't, he's like a fucking just classic He's always guy. on. He's always, he's always on. And I just yeah. wish that we, I wish uh, there was more things he was in outside of course. Because I mean, like outside Coruscant, like he did a bunch of stuff, but nothing really like, yeah, we got. I know? wish he was in a Marvel movie. See what he could do there. <laughs> yeah, he's been, he's been gone for like a couple decades now. Mafune, he's been like in right? the 90s. I oh, think so you think ways. he's more fit to be CGI'd into a Star Wars movie? That's where hey, he would really listen, live. Yeah, yeah. If he's going to be one of Maul's henchmen or something. Uh, that's that's going to give me cancer if that ever happens. Uh, Gosh, if, but uh, don't put that. Now it's out in the universe. Now it's out yeah, there. Fucking know. JJ's listening. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I love it and it's great. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys said all the all the best stuff. I'll just say that I, you know, this. I don't, I don't love this movie more than Seven Samurai. I think that's just such a like top to bottom, like impeccable kind of like masterpiece at this point. Uh, but I love how, uh, like balanced this movie is. That's like kind of the word I keep thinking of where it's like, you know, you kind of have the samurai, you have the princess they're on. And it's like, I love any movie where people are trying to escape with gold. I think I'm slowly realizing that. Like I think (laughs) of like, uh, the five bloods, that's like a part of the reason I love that movie so much is because they're oh, like, you can't a, wait for the new Zack Snyder movie then, huh? Uh, Hey, yeah. The, the yeah. kind of gold heist, I guess. Oh, uh, Justice League. I was like, huh? Oh, hey, if, Hey, if Snyder cuts going to have, you know, a, a hunt for gold. Sure. You're in, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that. It's just such like classic fucking, just like bullshit fucking yeah, like adventure story. Like, let's shit. just do some bullshit MacGuffin thing with the gold. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Yeah. And then we'll, you know, let's have the good shit with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, that's, that's you another love character. You love characters and, like, yeah. you know, their interactions and on adventures. So that's why it's like mm-hmm. gold is just like a good way of just saying, yeah, of course we all love gold. But now this is all like the fun stuff. Really. Yeah, yeah. That's, man, you really, you saying it like that points out that kind of that is another thing where, you know, for decades after this, people kind of take the wrong lessons where, mm these movies kind of like become so plotty about MacGuffins that characters kind of get lost in the kind of like moment like to moment. Like explain the lore of the yeah. fucking Yeah, of the thing that nobody something. gives a shit about. And it's like, yeah. we don't fucking care. We don't fucking care. Where it's like, I don't know, like, the, you know, the Marvel movies are, even the Marvel movies are kind of hit or miss with this sometimes. But yeah, they if, you, are, if you were to tell me like what all those stones were and like the, the stones. weird, yeah. the weird, like th- the cube thing. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I yeah. didn't care about any of the infinity so. stones and the Tesseract. Yeah. yeah the tesseract. <laughs> See, it's like that. I feel like that might be one of the last big things on a yeah. big scale to pull that off because I go back, you know, 
and you know before that and it's like the lord of the rings knows the right balance mm-hmm. uh it, it just takes like a good director i feel like to know that balance of like the MacGuffin it's, to the plot it's a characters. it's a common misnomer that happens a lot in writing which people love the premise of their things the worlds that they're building mm-hmm. so they focus on yeah, super simple true. characters yeah. in really complicated storylines when it should be the opposite yeah super complicated characters in real simple, really more streamlined. simple as hell storylines is interesting. Or just do Dune. Do yeah. both. Just do, do Yeah, and you can Dune, do both. Dune is a definite why not both. It yeah. doesn't work. Thing, yeah. So many pitches are like, oh, you know, this this normal guy who just hates his job. <laughs> and then all this stuff happens to him. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. what the heck? Exactly. Instead of like this dude who, you know, there's all this crap that happens, but he loses his keys that may have more story mm-hmm. than a, the, the dude who hates his job, who I don't know, has finds an elf or something. F- finds I mean, a golden rock. Oh, wait, I mean, is this bright? Her, <laughs> her is just about some guy who falls in love with a phone. Yeah. You know, like yeah. and it, it's a character yeah. site. Like that's yeah. just great. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love this movie because it is like a, a great kind of classic uh, I'm going to say classic Hollywood because it just feels that way to me. It feels kind of like the type of movie that definitely influences kind of the new Hollywood movement and movies even past that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's like it's it's really funny. There's great action. Like the spear duel is, is awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's way up there for me for uh, my favorite Kurosawa's, I think. So it's wow. Great. Yeah. Wow. But uh, I think that's going to do it for the hidden almost said temple. Legends of the Hidden Temple, remember that? Yeah, show? that's why. That's I guess that's where. No, it came you from. Remember, such yeah, a I remember show. that show. It's. Legends I wish I, I could was... do all of it. <laughs> <laughs> we should get that show back and then invite me on. I thought it was back already. No, it was sure. for a little bit. Paramount Plus or something. It's on like, like Paramount. Yeah, yeah. fucking Paramount Plus. Plus. My oh, God. Boy. Uh, but speaking of Paramount Plus, Delphin. Uh, you have a new show. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> yeah. joke is at all, but I was just going to say thanks for being yeah, what on. What does Paramount have <laughs> that we can redo? Yeah, what do you got for it? What do you got, do you know? Huh? What do you pitch. got for us? What do you got to pitch? <laughs> got yeah. pitch? Wait, are you saying pitch? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a guy who uh, hates his job. <laughs> <laughs> hates his job. All this Sold. shit happens. Paramount so. Plus, 12 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I got it. Greenlit, baby. Three seasons. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, thanks for being on the yeah. Yeah. Hidden Fortress. Oh my gosh, episode, Kurosawa. What a guy, huh? What a, <laughs> what a real minch. <laughs> a real hey, minch. What, what a minch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, what do you what do you got to plug? What's going yeah, on? What's plug going time. On? Oh, yeah, well, what's going on with you? You know, because uh, we don't keep up with you at all. Hidden Fortress reminds me of another movie that we have a podcast about called Star Wars. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, we have a Star Wars podcast about, I'm sure you've, you've, you, I'm sure you know this. Sure. It's part of the zeitgeist now. I, ne- I never plug it. I, I don't want to. Don't plug it. Yeah, I, I won't. Plug, no, I'm just, it's but, in the history books. <laughs> you know, when when people think of art, they think of the Campbell suit can from Andy Warhol, and they think of Delphin Pod podcast. Delphin Pod. I was going to say it's yeah. those two. They're right next to each other. Um, but yeah, go to patreon.com slash stuff and pods for all the pods and listen to all of the other shows. There's too many. And when I count now, when I say them all, I, I feel bad cause I might miss one. So it's now yeah, you're in charge of all of us and you, you don't even appreciate it. I appreciate everyone always all the time. If you notice, I was very quiet when you were yeah. speaking poorly of other filmmakers because I think all filmmakers are fantastic. Hey, and what, what do we do here if not talk hey, poorly you know, about many filmmakers? I, A real bridge yes. over the river. Uh, <laughs> 
Kwai, but I instead of that, I want to keep my bridge. Yeah, you built the going. bridge. And you built the bridge. Want to build keep the build before you? Yeah. Don't worry, up. we'll we'll burn all the bridges uh, for us, not for you. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. God. Yeah, just like Lawrence of Arabia did in Jordan. Although can, we, I mean, yeah. like if you meet, you know, J.J. Abrams, you can say, "Hey, I know a couple guys that hate you. You want to <laughs> meet them?" I don't hate him. I was talking about a couple guys that hate him, not have, us. Have it's been, just like a, a few guys that Heaven might forbid not. I meet George Lucas. And uh, <laughs> hey, tell me I know when you'll die. Well, listen, hey, my friend knows when I'm you die. I'm checking my George. watch. Uh-oh. Yeah. You've got a, uh, you know, the clock's yeah. ticking. Let's just leave it there. Oh, boy. But uh, yeah, so thanks so much for being on. Mm. Listen to the Delphin Pod shows. Subscribe to the Delphin Pod Patreon. It's great. There's some trivias with myself and Adam and, you know, book club stuff there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Brent and I have to to read a lot. I have to read 50 pages tomorrow, uh, but I can do it. It's a kid's book, so it'll be fine. (laughs) It's a kid's Uh, book. Kids do it all the time. Kids kids do it all the time. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, listen to that. Listen to cover stories. Uh, And, yeah, I guess next week we're going to be back leaning in. Wow. Do you have a favorite lean? Hey, we can't. Not we yet. can't talk that yet. Okay, We're a little so. too. We got a few more episodes left. Adam yeah. and I shot a short film that is being scored currently, and it sounds good. So, oh, I yeah. thought you were going to say by David Lean, the the man who's no, dead. David no, no. Lean <laughs> took took a swing at composing music. Posthumous, <laughs> humus. That that'd be amazing. I'd be impressed. But yeah, mm. that short film looks really cool. And it's all thanks to all thanks to Delphin. It's a real Lawrence of Arabia vibe, right? <laughs> That's I mean, what I mean, sure, would say. yeah, <laughs> completely big. Yep. I mean, it did come after Lawrence of Arabia. That's for sure. Cinemascope. That's we right. shot at Cinemascope. Cinemascope, which is just insane. Pure celluloid yeah. Set pieces. Yeah, we kept Out checking the, the gate. I would love to hear the he was film in, rolling through. Yeah. We can only do ten minutes at a time. I Annoying. remember watching you while you were in a dark room, and it was. <laughs> It was magical. Oh, yes. It was and just yeah. him and 699 The only people. way you can see our short is by, you know, going to a dark room. <laughs> Any dark room. Any dark room in, in your home. <laughs> like, it just shows up. Like <laughs> With 400 other people. Yeah, we, we have a single exhibition yeah. reel that uh, <laughs> is eight reels long. Hey, maybe, maybe it'll uh, be easier to yards. screen your yeah. uh, short than it will be for us to screen Lawrence of Arabia at any fucking movie theater, Ooh. apparently. Maybe. Uh, yeah, we won't name theaters, but, you know. Let's you just, know hey, maybe most of them in San Antonio. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, thanks for being yeah. on. Next week, we're going to be talking Dr. Zhivago. I am Zhivago. not sure if we have a guest. I will double check. But uh, we'll talk to you then. All See right. ya. Thanks again, Delphin. Th- thank you. Bye-bye. Cool. <laughs>